You are listening to The New Prisoners. A copy of each week's monologue and source list are available on our Minds page and Substack. Check out our video content on BitChute, Odyssey, and Rumble. For audio versions, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Anchor. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you find us, including YouTube. Join the conversation by leaving your comments on our Minds, Substack, BitChute, Odyssey, and Rumble pages. You can follow The New Prisoners and The New Prisoner Number 6 on Instagram and at New Prisoner and the Number 6 on Twitter. If you would like to be a guest, please email The New Prisoner Number 6 at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. Now let's get on with the show. The idea John Henry and I had about using our voices to encourage whomever would listen to us to engage in peaceful, civil disobedience began with our first episode. Biden had just announced his OSHA mandates just in time for another significant historical event in the 20th anniversary of 9-11. At that point, things looked really bleak for the liberty movement. We were under the rule of a tyrannical president who would stop at nothing to abuse his power in order to vaccinate every man, woman, and child in America without care of the consequence for doing so. Under that particular threat, we were told that we would either lose our jobs or be forced to test every week to keep them. As we observed over the past two months with Omnicon, with many testing sites being overwhelmed and tests being scarce, this would have created a massive panic. I think about Americans. My brothers and sisters, fighting with one another for the last rapid test so they can keep their jobs. (laughs) Then they get home to take it and it gives them a false positive. Those people lose work and aren't paid for their sick time like the people who signed up to take the shots. Like they get to recover from the side effects, which are conveniently never discussed in the policy or really anywhere in society. Except here, and other places willing to take the risk to talk about them. It's been a wild couple of months so far, folks. Our listenership has grown exponentially, particularly with the help of getting back on a great video platform called BitChute, which gives us further reach across the globe. Censorious globalist oligarch-owned YouTube, on the other hand, pulled our episode called Trust the Scientism. And because of it, I no longer trust them with our full episodes because they couldn't even tell me what was said on our podcast that violated their policy. But isn't that the perfect example of the current establishment's methods? We were all expected to just comply. Unfortunately, it has been shown in studies and throughout history the people will tend to follow orders. Here, we ask of our audience 
to demand answers, not orders. And if you want a perfect example of what we mean by that, you don't have to look much further than what occurred this past week near Ottawa, Communanida. No, I didn't pronounce that wrong. That name has been given to the former free country by John Henry and I because of the ridiculous treatment the people there have received from their government. The people there have been subject to multiple lockdowns, curfews, and now campaigns to jab everyone in sight. After seeing Pastor Arthur Pawlowski getting arrested again for protesting in his own country, for violating his parole, for kicking health inspectors out of his church and rightly calling them fascists and Nazis. We didn't think we could be more disgusted with the actions of the establishment in the Great North. But Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's new vaccine mandate for cross-border truckers appears to be the final straw for our brothers and sisters up there. So much so that the evil globalist puke is hiding from the public. We hope that he knows now that he has overstepped his authority in the eyes of the people. That he has been caught trying to force his people into the build back better strategy of enforcing a brutal police state and social credit system on an unsuspecting public. A public willing to do what they were told was right by their government to help protect their fellow man. But now that the reality of the situation can no longer be denied, now that the lockdowns don't work, but they keep doing them, same with the curfews, and now that the shots don't work, but they keep ordering them and mandating them, the people have finally had enough. Canadians are known for their politeness. I've had many people on my travels ask me if I was Canadian based on excusing myself so politely while stepping in front of them in a, in a theater aisle or something. So it should be no surprise that the people out supporting the convoy that reached Ottawa this past weekend are peaceful and have nothing but love to share to their fellow man for standing up to such tyranny. It's a perfect counter if you think about it. A sniveling, emasculated, World Economic Forum whore like Trudeau, who has been propped up by the establishment media in his country as this strong leader who will make us all safe, regardless if people want to live that way or not, has been quoted as referring to the convoy as a small fringe of extremists and is now being embarrassed in front of the entire world because of the turnout of support in the brutal cold of winter. I hope all the payouts he and his family got from We Charity are enough for him to get by from now on. He's no different than the Clintons or the Bidens in their willingness to take money laundered through charities. The turnout to support truckers who will not sacrifice their bodies for a collective good marketed to the people by big business and government to serve their interests was immense. People are standing up there, and so are people around the world. The rallying cry 
has been heard and received. Now it's up to all of us to fuel the fire of that reaction, to build it into a stunning blaze for the rest of the world's tyrants to take notice of its blinding light of goodness and truth. It's time for the malignant efforts of the oligarchs and dictators to receive some blowback. That blowback is a wave of peace and solidarity among the free people of all nations. All we have to do is stand up and simply say no together. We have been telling you all listening for months here at the New Prisoners that you are not alone. We need not look any further for examples than a convoy that stretches over 45 miles in the freezing cold while being lined by citizens of all walks of life cheering it on. We at the New Prisoners are building a convoy of our own. So far, we have freedom fighters, pharmacy workers, and this week, we add the all-important element of culture to the mix. This week, we introduce you all to Crypto Man, who not only raps about liberty and economic freedom, but is part of a new wave of hip-hop that is dominating the charts because the message he shares connects with people the same way the message of the truckers in Communanida does. The hashtag digital convoy is the next step. The powers that be have seen us on the streets. They know that we are awake. Now we have a soundtrack to blast on car stereos and PA systems and everywhere we want our voice to be heard and felt. Prior generations had David Hasselhoff to listen to while tearing down the Berlin Wall, while bringing freedom to their people. This generation is going to do it with beats and bars from the great state of Vermont. When we are all on the same beat, they cannot deny us. They cannot contain us. And we will dance on the rubble of this evil empire, just like the German people did in Berlin all those years ago. Send a message to the world and go on whatever social media that you have and show your support with hashtag digital convoy. Leave a message of peace and love for all of us out there looking to find someone to stand with. For all that choose to do this, we thank you for your support and we share our love to you all as our brothers and sisters. We only have each other in this fight, but we will win. We are stronger and we will be free. Okay, I'm number six. This is The New Prisoners and I'm here with John Henry and our special guest this week is Crypto Man. And um, I just wanted to start off by uh, thanking everyone for tuning in and listening the past few weeks. Man, has our audience really jumped up. So a huge shout out to our previous guests, uh, both Jane, Priya, and uh, TJ. Uh, definitely go check out all of their uh, episodes with us and check out the source list for all the links to their, their pages and 
uh, their Instagrams and things of that nature. So definitely keep up with them. Uh, we would love to have them all back onto the show at some point too, to give us updates as to uh, where they're at with uh, their, their battles and everything. And I really appreciate them coming on, coming on and sharing their, their stories with us uh, because that that's kind of like the more important thing I think uh, about this show uh, going into this year is that, you know, John Henry and I uh, have been friends for a long time and we love having conversations uh, about politics and about what's going on in the world. And we love sharing that with you all. But also, like, there's, there's, a, there's only so far that our knowledge base can go. So having other people on to sort of team up with to, to bring you better arguments, to bring you more critical thinking, to bring you more th thoughts to have during the week. And man, I... I had an amazing experience listening to uh, Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan this past week and um, just taking little nuggets here and there, especially with what he had to say about music. And I I'm really pumped for this week's episode with Crypto Man because not only um, is he a talented musician, and you'll see that when you check out um, his work, but then also, man, when you when you find out about what he has to say about the Liberty Movement um, what he's done for the free Ross movement for Ross Albright of the Silk Road, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, John Henry, do you want to say hi to the people this week before we get started? What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Got a lot of exciting topics to cover uh, on this beautiful, beautiful evening. So uh, thanks again for being here and uh, looking forward to this conversation. And big thanks to Crypto Man for spending some time with us to take a deep dive into some pretty cool stuff. So let's go. All right. And everyone, I want to introduce you to Crypto Man. Crypto Man? Uh, how's it going? Uh, it's just a pleasure being here. Um, I... I did listen to a bit of that uh, Jordan Peterson interview on the Joe Rogan experience. Um, it's it's kind of funny because he's like, uh, music can't really paint pictures. And that's what I try to do with my music. So uh, we'll have an interesting time talking about all this. I agree. I, I thought that... Um... And I think I mentioned to you off air uh, earlier, Crypto Man, when we were, we were speaking, that I thought that Peterson sort of came into this one very um, affirmed. Like he he came in just like very certain about his viewpoints. And I thought that Joe really challenged him a lot on that because when you go into a conversation, and we might as well roll into this week's free hold for on all a second, on this hold topic on a second. too. Oh, hold on. Oh, okay. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> First of all. <laughs> Before we get to that point, and I'm not saying that I don't agree with you, but the first 10 minutes of that melted my fucking brain. You know, I'm glad I made it past the first 10 minutes. I like to think I'm, I'm relatively intelligent. Um, but I got to tell you, that was a, that was a very difficult, um, really beginning to that podcast because he was all over the place. And I feel like it was uh, like verbal chaos uh, of what he was digging into. Um it <laughs> it felt like an Alex Jones interview, kind of. Yeah, it was just like just all over the place and like ping pong. And, you know, he's the guy's so hyper intelligent that I get that the whole thing made sense to him. Um, but my brother actually sent me a, a message and he goes, hey, man, did you start listening to the new Jordan Peterson podcast on Rogan? I go, no, I'm going to get to it. I'm finishing up the last one. And he's like, man, I, I can't hang with it right now. 
And I'm like, hmm, and my brother's a smart guy. So when I got into it, I just, uh, I felt like that was a very interesting uh, beginning of that podcast, but everything else was, uh, was great. Matter of fact, and sorry for cutting you off, brother, but there's one thing that I do want to no. okay. uh, throw in there from that podcast that just, it's been in my head since I listened to it. And um, Peterson made a statement on that podcast and I thought it was so fucking profound and, and I'm paraphrasing on one word, but it was something along the lines of bravery is far superior to safety. Do you guys catch that on there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I did hear that. Yeah. Oh, I love that, man. Like, it just gave me goosebumps. I'm like, fuck, man, that's what I'm talking about. It's fantastic. Because and, it's about adventure. He got some pushback, too, when he he was talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the good thing about Joe's interview style, too, is that even though he's obviously friendly with Jordan Peterson, has been a huge supporter of him and his work and platforming him, regardless of uh, the heat that he could have received uh, for having such a person on his show. You know, God, God forbid, you know, you have somebody on like Jordan. I actually it was funny today because I listened to uh, the first half of the interview with a good friend of John Henry and I's. Um, and it was really interesting to hear somebody who's like almost like an outsider's perspective on it. Cause he really doesn't delve into too much of that material himself, but he made a comment on the fact that, man, that guy has a lot of internal dialogue going on. Like that guy's, you know, he, he, he almost thinks too much where it's almost like hurtful to him. And this guy absolutely had no idea about Peterson's, uh, problems with benzos and being, uh, being strapped down in Russia to be able to get off of the drugs that he was on and the fact that he was on them because he couldn't sleep. And then when I, when I told him that he was just like, yeah, I kind of, I could call that because he could sense like, just like the, and I've mentioned this before too, in, in previous podcasts were just like, when, when I think about certain topics that are going on in the world, when I think about like just the, the, the mass genocide that we're currently uh, a part of, uh, around the world with this with with this um, Omnicon bullshit and and seventeen boosters and everything else on top of it and just all the media coordination and everything and you think about the complexity and the impact of those things and just like how it creeps into every aspect of your life I understand why that motherfucker can't sleep I think it affects us all like that I'd agree with but that. just like for some people they're lightning rods to it you I'd know agree like with he's that. more in tune. I mean, because yeah. sometimes for me, I'm just like, damn, man, can I just shut this off? You know, it, because you just yeah. don't stop thinking about it because it genuinely, you know, like you said, it, it, it gets into every little nook and crevice of your existence. You know, and it reminds me of when Elon Musk was on there and he had talked about how when he was a kid, he thought he was crazy, like literally insane because that his brain didn't work like the other kids. And it's, it's an interesting now time now, because you see like how much brainwashing, how much indoctrination there is. And like I, I said to my wife the other day, I'm like, fuck, man, sometimes I wish that I wasn't this way because it's really consuming and it's really fucking stressful because it just never stops. Uh, I can yeah. feel you like my my brain never shuts off. I have irons in the in the furnace, but all over the place. Uh, so many different projects that I have half started that I just need to finish. and. Uh, just different ideas that I need to act on. And yeah, I just, my mind is going a thousand miles a minute in multiple different directions. But here's the benefit well, for you is you have that because that's, you know, that's yeah. a, a type of therapy, right? Cause I think about, you know, for me, uh, when I have to focus on something, 
that's my reprieve from the chaos, right? Because I know other than that, I'm just going to, you know, go through the news and go through Instagram and stress out about shit, midterm elections, and whether or not the COVID policies are going to get stricter where I live. So, you know, what I find is just that busy work, man, like just to really have to focus, be goal oriented. You know, that's one way to really just take a break from it is to have to wholly focus on something that you're doing. So it's it's a positive thing to have that stuff. It's fucking exhausting. I know that much. It's just sometimes I hit a wall and I'm like, damn, I got nothing left. But uh, it's definitely therapeutic. It's it's like pivoting from a consumer concept to a, a, a creator concept, uh, right? Like you guys, you're creators um, with this podcast. I'm sure you have other things that you work on, but the Instagram and Facebook and all the social media and news, all that's, uh, it's, uh, focusing in on, on the consumer aspect. And the more you get away from that, the more you can like actually think for yourself and, and do the work that's needed. Oh, when, when, when Peterson brought up today that creative people sort of have conflicts with identity i kind of looked at i literally looked in my rearview mirror and looked at myself it was like the scene in taxi driver <laughs> i was just like oh, <laughs> oh i hear that I mean, cause, yeah for sure uh because you you are so many different things to so many different people you know and, and doing all those different projects that you're doing you're, you're crypto man to the, the the thousands and thousands of people that listen to your music per month and then you're you're somebody else to your family. You know, you have to balance that. How how is that? Uh well, I'm someone else for my family. I'm someone else for my community. Uh president of Jacksonville Electric. I'm running for state senate. Like uh I I have multiple identities, but they're all they're all me. Um it it is hard to I don't have like multiple personality disorder or anything like that, but I can definitely like feel for the, those and, and empathize for those who have it because, um, I, I know where they're coming from. Um, oh yeah. And our current, our current state, when it comes to like all the influences that you just mentioned too, like social media and just media influences in general, probably don't help those things if anything they make them worse oh yeah <laughs> you know all uh, the distractions out there so i have a quick question this is going to be your second time throwing your hat in the ring for senate right uh third actually third. my oh, first wow my first time was as a republican and the second time was as an independent i was much more successful as a republican so uh i'm gonna go that route again this time um, what motivated you to start the whole entire process uh, all the way back to the first time you ran? Uh, Ron Paul. <laughs> uh, if Hell yeah. I, if I'm blunt. Um, so even before I started running for any office, I, I found out about Ron Paul. Uh, I think it was 2006. Or I think it was 2006 and I voted for him. Um, no, he ran in 2008. I must've voted for Ralph Nader and I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I know he's, 
partially responsible for the seatbelt laws, which I'm against. Um, but he was the only like actual independent voice that I could see on the ballot. So that's it. That's who I, 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 I hear you I, on Ralph Nader. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like the, the aspects of him with like standing up for consumers. Yep. I don't like the fact that he may have had a hand in making the, all the beautiful muscle cars that John Henry and I know and love John Henry, definitely a lot more than I do. Um, but still like the, they, they, it made them sort of a thing of the past <laughs> a right. relic now. Um, but, uh, he was just a different voice and I, yeah. I'm much more into giving different voices, uh, a pedestal than, uh, just voting between the two party paradigm. No, I hear you on that. And I, I think that's something too, that you know, especially when you get down to localization and like decentralized, like taking power away from the federal government, I think you understand that very well. Oh, uh, just judging yeah. from my conversations with you and things I see you post. So like being able to offer those different voices down to a local level for your community, I think, I mean, that's admirable, but that's also, that's the fucking way that we have to do this. If we're going to do it, you know, in a civil way, like there's no way that we regain our culture and control over our lives down to like the most minuscule thing, like being six feet apart from one another or not having to wear an N95 mask to buy a fucking cucumber at Walmart. Like, you know, like it's just, it's so much easier to just give the tools to the people in your local community to help run shit that makes sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've thought about just going for a select board or, or something like that. Uh, I was a, a library trustee for nine years. So uh, I've always been active within my community as much as possible. Um, my grandfather was a town clerk and um, my uncle was, he might still be a justice of the peace. So like I've, I've had that kind of influence within my life as far back as I can remember. Yeah, public service, man. I mean, I, I, I know that, um, you know, John Henry and I both have friends and family members that have been involved in public service and just like what, it, what it takes to set aside your time, because like it, it is, it is like a, a sort of a labor of love the same way that music can be where you can put a lot of time and effort into something, but you're not expecting a lot of monetary gain necessarily or, out of it. Or like you're doing it for a deeper purpose. Or yeah. Any, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, nine absolutely. years as a, as a library trustee, that was all unpaid. Um, it was wow. just, you know, go to the meetings. Uh, I was chair and secretary and, ran the gambit and, um, you know, uh, helped out with book, uh, book sales. Like we'd have like a little fundraising book sale in our little community. Uh, uh, I almost said Masonic. Um, the hell is it called? <laughs> Municipal center. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, it is, uh, a thoughtless type of or thankless type of uh way to just go um as far as like it's not a career path by any imagination unless you're looking yeah. at being like a a u.s senator or congressman or something 
Now, is that your aspiration? Would would you would you like to get up to? Do you want to be talking to Dr. Fauci with Rand Paul? You know, you you guys teaming up and throwing some 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 questions at Lord Fauci there. That's not my aspiration, but, but well, so for state senate, the main reason why mm-hmm. I started running is because I there was no one on the ballot that I would vote wow. for. So I was okay. like, well, I might as well put my my name on the ballot. Uh, at Dude. least at least then like people can pick on the ballot instead of having to write someone's name in, which that's always going to be a losing aspect. But um, yeah, that's the that's the main reason why I threw my hat in the ring. And it's okay. not. I I'd, I'd much rather just like keep my head down and and work as a machinist than like do these political hoops. But if it's something I have to do, then it's something I have to do. Oh yeah. It's, it's the old adage of, you know, being, being a warrior in a, in a garden instead of a gardener in a war, you know, you, you just, you'd rather be prepared uh, and prevent any, any type of things that you can to prevent your community from slipping further into authoritarianism these days. And, you know, that's why it's admirable that you're standing up and, and, and trying to run for office to get somebody reasonable <laughs> in there. Cause uh, in the area that you're in, uh, uh, is it, is it heavily democratic? Like what's, what's the political makeup of the area that you're in currently? So the, the main area that would actually like vote for the Senate uh, the state Senate, Wyndham County. Um, Brattleboro is the most heavily po- populated area, and they're heavily blue. Um, okay. The surrounding areas, say, so Wilmington is right next door to me. They're within Wyndham County, but they vote for Bennington County uh, Senate. If they were to vote for Wil- uh, Wyndham County Senate, I would have a a much greater chance at at winning and not saying that I don't have a chance at all. It's just that Brattleboro is a stronghold and it's it's something that I have to break through. Well, I got to tell you, uh, for being on with John Henry and I, you're probably not going to get any George Soros donations. Sorry about that. that. That's fine with me. <laughs> John Henry, what do you have to say about that? Not going to happen. <laughs> like to call those shit cons um, on the show. So let me ask you this, Crypto Man, because you said you have to break through. So what's your strategy? Uh, so I'm I'm doing a, a phone drive. I'm going to be calling every number out of the phone book uh, between like four when I get out of work and get home. And six, hopefully before people start sitting down for dinner, because I know I I don't like uh, getting interrupted in dinner. So I'm going to try and get to people before they sit down to dinner and uh, at least let them know who I am. Um, And I want to find out what their main uh, issues are, like what. I, I'm not going to be adversarial, you know, if they bring up socialism or uh, uh, universal health care or some, 
some crazy nonsense. What is your response going to be if they bring up the new emojis for the pregnant person? Yo, that's that's a food baby. That's what that's what it's going to be used as. I got a food baby. I just came from a Chinese buffet, and man, well, we um, know about that. You know? We know about that. <laughs> yeah, when you mentioned food, not not wanting to be interrupted during dinner, I don't think John Henry and I like even chewing and or breathing no. while we eat. No, I don't it's even like bodily functions during dinner. Consumption. I hold my breath while I eat. <laughs> I focus on one thing. So did you, um, you know, did you make those calls in your last two runs? Uh, no, I didn't. I, my first run, I went, uh, not completely door to door, but down, uh, a couple streets and knocked on doors, said who I was. And that was in Brattleboro. And then I went to the local uh, co-op, which is very crunchy and blue. And I held my sign out there a few days. Um, it, it was a good turnout. I got a, a couple people who know uh, my economic views, like Austrian economics, uh, Ludwig von Mises and Murray Rothbard and such. And uh, they heard those... Uh, I guess dog whistles and they were, they came running and, uh, I had some guy the first time out when it was voted time to vote, it was pouring. And this guy was standing out in front of the voting center in Brattleboro holding my sign in the pouring rain. And I'm sure that that had to have gotten a couple of people to vote for me just because like, just to show that much uh, appreciation and and drive for for my campaign. Yeah, that's, that's great. awesome to see, man. Yeah, that's really awesome to see that kind of support. Um, I was going to throw out too that you know that right now it, you mentioned that you have a lot of irons in the fire, and you brought up like your your sort of background with Austrian economics and everything, and this new single that you have, man. Like it not. Not only does it hit hard, like I, I I like the the production on it. Like I thought that pretty much all the stuff that I checked out from you, man. Like I'm really enjoying the production on it. But then also like that's one side of hip hop too. That you know when when you're picking up indie artists here and there, sometimes you run into stuff where it's just like, okay, this is great, but it's not polished. Not only does yours have the polish to it, but then like the lyrical content is just so on point. W- where did you come up with the concept for this latest single? So and, and tell and tell the people all about it and where they can find it. Too, yeah, the, pro, the progressive era. Uh, it's it's available YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, I think it's on on Pandora. If not, I'll I'll fix that soon. Um, it these are all sorts of different uh, DSLs. Um, the inspiration of it came from Murray Rothbard's The Progressive Era, which was uh, edited and compiled by Patrick Newman from the Mises Institute. Uh, I get a lot of uh, inspiration from the Mises Institute uh, that was founded by Lou Ellen Rockwell. Um, and it's got people like Tom Woods, uh, Bob Murphy, and others that contribute to it. 
I was so. going to say, all, all those names sound familiar too, because I, I also listened to uh, Dave Smith, and he's talked a lot about like sort of the turmoil in the Libertarian Party involving the Mises Caucus and who was able to vote in the last uh, primaries and everything. Do you, do you know anything? Were you involved in that? Um, I was not involved in it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I, I believe it was like the Pennsylvania uh, delegation where they came and if a person was registered to the Libertarian uh, Party within like a certain time period, they weren't allowed to vote. So that made things very uh, contentious. And uh, and it, there is a bylaw that does state it, but that bylaw is never enforced. So for them to enforce it, it, ju it just showed that they were worried about the Mises caucus. And um, yeah, it's it's just people uh, trying to grasp at straws that think that they just want their their power in a little party that like a third party that. You know, they, they want to feel important. And they're grasping at straws, whereas like people in the Mises caucus, they're actually looking to change things. Hey, speaking of it Pennsylvania, what do you guys think about oh. uh, what came out of Pennsylvania this week about the mail-in voting? Uh, oh, geez. It's interesting. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm still on the fence about like what's this actually going to uh what are the ramifications going to be in the long, long term? What is your opinion yeah, on, on crypto, that. man? I mean, you, you know, you're running for Senate. What is your stance? Somebody asked you, how do you feel about the mail-in voting? Uh, I, I don't like mail-in voting, um, especially universal mail-in voting. If someone wants to register and say, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be available to vote on this day, uh, at least they're they're making an effort to say I want a mail-in ballot, and and that shows a little bit more initiative. Right now in Vermont, we have universal mail-in voting, we have drop boxes, we have all sorts of crap. And it's uh, Jim Douglas who's the Secretary of State, and uh, <laughs> uh, Project Veritas actually went in. There's no voter ID laws. Um, Project Veritas, I forget what year it was, I think 2012, um, they came to Vermont and they, uh, they didn't follow through with it, but they were able to get ballots and, uh, were able to like basically go in and vote. They would have been able to process their ballots, which would have been, uh, voter, um, yeah, having a brain fart. Voter. It's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, what, um, you know, Trump spoke today in Texas. I don't know if either of you guys watched that. I did personally. I watched the whole thing. And, um, you okay. know, what he said in regards to mail in ballots, which I agree wholeheartedly with, he said the only exception should be made if somebody is uh, incapacitated, ill, um, or uh, deployed military. So, you know, to me, I feel like that makes sense. Um, but the universal just no sense at all to me. 
then you end up with pallet harvesting and like you said the drop boxes and just all of it it's a mess right and and the thing is is like i can meet in the middle and be like okay it's not going to be universal you're not going to have a ballot sent out to every single person in the in the state but if someone wants to apply for a mail-in ballot i'll give it to them because they're showing initiative that they actually want to vote so i'll i'll meet halfway uh but there's a lot of uh area for where it can be used um uh malfeasantly oh yeah absolutely yeah there, there's all there's all sorts of areas where like i, I watched uh couple months ago, right side broadcasting had Dr. Shiva on and, um, uh, Jovan Pulitzer on and a whole bunch of other people on about the Arizona audit. And just like when they went through the part with the signature verification, John Henry, I don't know if you remember that too, but just when they got to the part about the signature verification, of course I do. And the fact that they couldn't disqualify those ballots, but the ballots just had like a scribble on them yeah. and they literally called them scribbles mm -hmm. because yeah. like when it got to a certain point, it was just like, you would get like a fucking check mark on the ballot and they'd be like, okay, that's signed. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't, I mean, the wrong, instead of a pen, a marker. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, there was enough of those that was genuinely the, the margin and the difference in the election in Arizona. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, when, whenever not, like a signature that wouldn't get over at a local bar <laughs> on, on the receipt, <laughs> yeah. you know, for your tab, like wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because but I know about to say, multiple uh, okay. people yeah. personally, right? This isn't just friend of a friend um, that they received multiple ballots in the mail. Multiple family members of mine, my sister got like three yeah. ballots. <laughs> like what? There you go. And uh, so my gram. Uh, received a ballot for my grandfather who had uh, he died like five years before he received this ballot so oh, he should have been taken off of the registry but it's Vermont not Chicago come on <laughs> you know that, yeah so there's that aspect uh, the the registries definitely have to be cleaned up and no, I'm not racist because I want the registry to be cleaned up. Like that's an asinine statement to begin oh, with. Oh, that's the biggest you bullshit. Know? Yeah, but, <laughs> excuse but ever to not clean saying, it up. Oh, you know, voter ID laws for uh, yeah, voter ID laws are racist. And then the same people who say that are saying you need to show uh, an ID and your back certificate to get into a restaurant. <laughs> that's not racist. If they can't have an ID to vote, then what's like, how are they going to get an ID to just go to a restaurant? Yeah. And crypto, man, we've talked about that a lot as far as a percentage of African-Americans that are vaccinated. Um, you know, one of our early episodes was actually in regards to the Tuskegee experiment. Right. And basically, it was no wonder that, that black folks are, you know, don't trust the government and saying, you know, take these shots of things uh, because even anybody that is loosely educated on that, you understand what they did was is it was fucking horrific what they did to those people. Oh yeah, and, I mean, and it's not just state the experiment. It's the Fernald Science Club. It's uh, Doctor Fauci with the the orphanage. Uh, yeah. at least eighty percent of the the orphans were uh, minorities. Yeah. So 
And most, just so you know, most people have no idea what you're talking about. Zero. They have yeah. no clue on what you're talking about because on our Fauci episode, you know, we talked about AZT. We talked about those things. And, yeah. you know, most people that are and even. That, and then woke, you got a strike on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, we mm-hmm. got booted. <laughs> yeah, we got booted. For trust man. the scientism. <laughs> yep, got got a little booted there. But, you know, speaking of not trusting the government all that much, I wanted to throw this out there while we're in the free for all segment, because did anyone find it kind of curious that right before Biden lands to do a speech about oh, infrastructure? I don't even know. This is insane. It, it's that so a yes. Fucking bridge. My answer is yes. Collapses. A fucking hours. hour. An hour before he right gets before. to Pittsburgh, a bridge collapses on the Build Back Better <laughs> infrastructure bill. An hour. And then he's there. And there's a photo op of him there with a collapsed bridge with cars flipped over and a bus crashed. If it was any more of a fucking work, he would have showed up like in a cape and then Liz Cheney would have showed up dressed as doomsday <laughs> and they would have had a play fight where Biden like won and was like standing on her fucking chest it's, it's, and like it, beating his you chest. You know what's crazy is like I look at that and I go, all right, am I, am I just losing my shit now? Because like I'm, I've a hundred percent convinced myself that that was strategic. Like I don't believe anything anymore. It's it's so crazy. An hour before old fucking Puddin' Pants gets there, that shit happens. I mean, it is just it's absurd. It's so ridiculous. It is, and I the whole build back better thing, and he he like pulls it off like it's his own. Well, that's what he was doing back in the seventies when he ran for, or right, it was the seventies when he mm-hmm. ran for president back in the day, and he got caught for plagiarism. He's Severe plagiarizing plagiarism. the World yeah. Economic Forum right now. Yeah, absolutely. It was the eighties, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. 80s. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I I think the thing is, is that when you see that type of coordination, um, it 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 just it reminded me of the Epstein deal. Of course, of just like, oh, yeah. Did you happen to notice that the cameras all went off at the same time and the guards just happened to be asleep and they just so happened to be looking for new motorcycles too, right beforehand <laughs> and they got off, you know, with no, with no fucking charges. It's so crazy. And then the guy that they put him in the cell with is like a fucking murderer, policeman yeah. and dirty all to hell I, compromised. Yeah. I would keep an eye out on the prison guards. Yeah, they might they might have got off legally, but, you know, they might get oh, cleaned, yeah. you know. No, I'm oh, sure absolutely. they will. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Yeah, that that's that's a where are we where are they now type of segment for them that we might have to do down the road. Just a proof of life. <laughs> I feel like when you hey, have a you're right. body count. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's what happened with SEAL Team Six. You know, they came, yep. they went in, they they uh, took out supposedly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Osama bin Laden, and then they have a, a they're doing a test. And their helicopter crashes. Okay. Oh, yeah, most of those guys are dead now. Yeah. It'd been a lot, you know, and then you see that, um, I can't remember the name. I was actually just reading about this again the other day that, you know, Bin Laden was actually CIA, which we, you know, that's another reason why. His family had tight ties with the Bush family. Of course. Um, with the oil um, and, and all that. So... I, I can definitely see him with uh, CIA ties. I I'm not very well versed in it. Uh, I would recommend uh, looking at uh, Fool's Aaron. Um, I believe okay. I have that on audiobook. Nice, but, nice. Yeah, Fool's Aaron. Um, Scott Warren 
he's he's a mastermind when it comes to uh foreign wars and stuff he he's the creator of antiwar.com so. oh yeah i'm very familiar with him i i watched him bitch slap bill crystal yes like across yep. the stage basically that was amazing yeah, that, that was like a one-sided fight in ufc like you mentioned you're a ufc fan before yep. That's like putting John Jones in there against me. What, what, you mean it was like when Fallon Fox was caving the craniums in of real women? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's an apt analogy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was it was definitely something. I mean, and that's a thing too. Like there's so many people that I've I've sort of found um in, in this liberty movement that have sort of like the OGs like Scott Horton, you of course you mentioned Ron Paul before. Um, I was just listening to uh, Monica uh, on uh, Grand Theft World today as well. Yes. Because uh, you introduced me to Monica's podcast yep. and everything there. Uh, shout out to them. Oh, what's what's the R name of their Richard channel? Again? Grow, uh, oh, uh, the Propaganda Report is Monica Perez. Yes. But yes. Richard Grove is the uh, Grand Theft World host. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed his stuff too because I found out about him through James Corbett, which I, I've watched plenty of his like uh, segments and little documentaries on, particularly the Bill Gates one. Like, if anybody's interested in uh, following up on or f going further down the rabbit hole, when people make claims about what Bill Gates is involved in, and just you know, when when you're, you're seeing little interviews of him on the news uh, smirking about you know population control and vaccination. Go and watch that James Corbett, uh, Bill Gates uh, documentary, and that, that'll that'll give you because he just does such fucking amazing research. Like it, you can tell that he just really puts in true work on it. He's you, not just in there bullshitting. Uh, yeah, uh, James Corbett's great. If you really want to see how creepy Bill Gates is, look at his interview with uh, when he was getting investigated on um, the antitrust with okay, Microsoft. Yeah. His answers yeah. were like, he was very creepy. He could not make eye contact. He, he was just very, uh, tried skirting around the questions and didn't, he did not come out sounding like he was truthful at all. No, no, he doesn't come across as genuine. I mean, the only thing, the other thing that I noticed too, interview wise, related to Bill Gates, though, was more recently, and um, Alex Jones uh, clipped it out in a segment too and made made light of it, uh, which is how I think I learned about it. Was um, Bill Gates's lawyer like this? I forget his name, but this crusty old bastard just sitting there talking about Jack Ma and how great it was that Jack Ma got disappeared by the CCP. For trying to you know, bring banking to uh, common people over there in China, and that's actually something we got into uh, in in the episode that we did about the social credit system too. Is that you know we're we're getting into an era now where you know the the digital the idea of the U.S. having control over a digital currency and bringing that into the world and us all being sort of dependent on that in the future is something that's. I think is really frightening because it, it's not only the you know something that they can use for an overwhelming amount of authoritarian type of control, but then also like it's when you know it too. I think it just when it comes to finances, that's that's stuff that isn't even taught really in schools. That's something no, that can get by low key. No, 
nobody's watching Janet Yellen for a couple hours in front of the Senate. Who really. would want it? Unless you're a big nerd like me. Exactly. Who can stare at that face? <laughs> Who could stare at that face for multiple hours and walk away? That they should they should give that that to for chemical castration. They should just show everyone a face of uh, you know Janet Yellen there. Maybe maybe like a full out centerfold if that's what it oh. takes. You know, just to prevent them from going back out into the world and and trying to throw that shit around. <laughs> that's a terrible visual. Oh God, could you burn I'm my sure eyes some, out? Oh, dude, it, it, she looks like one of the creatures out of. I don't know if you've ever seen it, and it's related to a book. It's called Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, I love that book. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's what she reminds me. It's just like those kind of like weird space creatures um, <laughs> that are just like just really oblong, you know, just re- really awkwardly put together. Um, yeah, but just like the, the, the real, like Tom Savini, like real life horror movie makeup shit though, you know, like it's, it's, she's not CGI, you know, that, that, that's like the foam rubber and everything, but it's just like, unfortunately that she's real. Um, (laughs) um, actually that the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxies, uh, aptly, um, so when, when they go to bulldozer, the guy's house and they're like, Oh, I didn't know this was going to happen. And they're like, what do you mean? It was public knowledge. And you had to go through like multiple different uh, recesses and uh, access points to actually get to this public knowledge, quote unquote. And and that's what it is today. You have to file a FOIA request to actually get information and then oh, well, Pfizer says it's going to take 75 years to, to actually provide that information. And it's, it's oh man, yeah, just hoops and hoops. And I, I thought that book uh, really like pinpointed like the whole government problem with like red tape and uh, trying to access what the government's trying to do. Well, of course, bureaucracy is something that, you know, I, I think that one of the things that I, I, I believe because of your political standpoints and, and for, you know, the, the party that you're running for and have run for in the past, like it, you, you see how the bureaucracy creeps into business. Um, you mentioned you have a background in, in business as well, and you've seen like what it does to like the businesses around you and in your community. Uh, what are, what are sort of the, the things that, that you would remove? Like if given the opportunity, how would you sort of reform your, your local community there? Like what, um, what are the yeah. policy things? I would get rid of uh, con laws. So Vermont's probably okay. uh, one of the most strictest when it comes to con laws. Uh, when I say con laws, it's um, so there's like a board of people who review uh, um, petitions or apl- applications for like say a new health center or a hospital or something. But the people who are on this board are usually on the board of the current hospital or health center. And they're not gonna look, say, yeah, let's approve this competition, um, which it, if we remove these con laws, it would enable a lot more competition in that environment, which would, drive down prices and drive up uh, the uh, um, the quality of service. 
So that's definitely one aspect. Uh, As far as like education goes, there's a lot of talk about um, school choice, which I feel is going to turn the charter and private and magnet schools uh, further away from what they're actually trying to do and sort of make them like a cookie cutter public access school. So I'm not really in favor of school choice per se. I would rather just get rid of the compulsory schooling laws and, uh, and enable, um, children to, to learn, uh, trades within their environment. Um, you can't hire a kid to show you how to use Facebook or Twitter or whatever, even though they're probably much more qualified than someone you could hire. Um, and you're just providing them value. Uh, it's not like you're forcing them to, to teach you something you're, you're, uh, showing that you want a value for value exchange. So I would also yeah. get rid of uh, the mandatory minimum uh, age requirements for working. And I know that's going to be like, oh, you're, you want child labor and stuff. And I'm like, no, but there's certain things that children can do better than uh, adults that have their their strict um, neural pathways already ingrained in them. Yeah. So. No, I, I could definitely see that. Like, it, it's just, we, we've dealt with so many topics this past year revolving around education. In fact, John Henry and I did an episode called The War on Children, uh, where we got into a lot of the stuff that was happening at the time in Loudoun County and focused around the reporting that the Daily Wire did about the... Uh, the, the rape case there involving the, the transsexual, uh, the trans, yeah, 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 the transsexual and 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 everything that happened and occurred around there, and just like that's the thing, like when you talked about getting into local government, um, a lot of people have been encouraged to get into sort of like the school board and other things as a pathway to, uh, to do that, but you know it it seems like you know you you found a, a different way in besides being part of the school board but still like education is a huge part of the political platform these days because it's it, it's a topic that's in our nightly news it's a topic that affects you know so much of our daily lives people that are parents people like john henry that are parents so what kind of schools are you going to be sending your children into and what they're going to teach so I mean uh, I know that you're a pretty libertarian guy. What do you think about the impact that CRT is having in these schools? Like there's there's a huge debate over that whether or not it's being taught or not. It you know officially it's definitely being or, taught. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm very much against it. Um, I just looked at uh, one of my cousins, um, their kids' uh, report card, and it, they're not being taught social studies um i'm not i forget exactly what the term was but they had so many dog whistles and they were gaslighting so much in this little synopsis of what that class was about like equality and uh gentrification and uh it, it was just 
it was basically if you could take all the words that that would be in CRT and um and like socialist Marxist like uh, class theory, not classroom, but cl- Marxism class theory, uh, which would be sort of like race theory in this critical race uh, era. Um, if you just took all those different terms and just mashed them together, that's that's what the synopsis looked like. It was ridiculous. Um, wow. So, yes, it's definitely being taught. And, and what age ranges were they in? Like, if you don't mind, like, it, 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 were they like young, young or like were they like in high school? What was it, it was eight to 12 years old. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so they're just not prepared for those types of nuanced concepts either, like at that age. And that that's the thing that's so indoctrinating about that, that type of uh, that, that type of education is that. You know, I have no problem with like going over the postmodernists, you know, in, in a in a in in a class that's focused on philosophy. If you want to talk about modern psychology and its application, if you want to talk about modern media, like it 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 stems in every because it bleeds into everything, it connects to everything. Like the the cultural Marxism, that it knows no bounds. Like it doesn't matter if you play fucking competitive marbles nowadays or magic cards or if you rap. You know, or, or it doesn't matter what you do, like that kind of political influence just seeps into everything. But when it's like in your children's school and they're only eight years old, like they don't have the intellectual defenses that you and I would crypto man or John Henry to, to say to raise their hand. And some do. I I, I won't actually I, I take a little bit of that back because there are some kids that will raise their hand and go, nah, I don't I don't agree with that at all. And, and especially when it comes to just like the. If you know anything about the background of, you know, how people have been educated and sort of uh, indoctrinated into racism, a lot of it, like if you look at the Tootsies and the Hutus, a lot of that is just a creation by like the Rockefeller Foundation and and, and, and just Rothschilds and like all these other, you know, evil connections to like these oligarchs and like these, the, the dark old blood money. And and just things of that nature where, you know, we're, we're battling something that really, to me, isn't real. Like, we're, we're battling a race war when there doesn't need to be because it's it's the wrong thing. And you mentioned, when you mentioned class, too, I think that's something that lately we've been skipping over a lot is that the ruling class has been directing us towards war with one another and fragmentation into these little tribes of race and sex and 72,000 genders and everything like that. And just... You know, when you when you see that stuff happen in your community, how do we combat that? What do you think is the, the method to combat that? Um, well, the way that. Uh, the way that I understand it, and I, I don't completely agree with this, uh, well, but um, cultures upstream from uh, politics. And okay. I, I yeah. do see that, uh, but I also feel like it's it's like life imitating art, imitating life, imitating art. Like it's a it's a vicious cycle. So uh, yeah, I think you can combat it with culture, and that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I feel like so the main reason why I started running the first time I ran. 
I was just trying to get the the names of Ludwig von Mises, Murray Rothbard, uh, Henry Hazlitt out into the ether, out into the public, and hopefully someone would hear what I had to say. They would hear those names, and then they would go and look for themselves and read some of their works, and hopefully get turned on to to liberty and. Uh, the free market and sort of shy away from socialism and uh, Marxism, class theory, uh, fascism, authoritarianism. Uh, yeah. It's all, it's, life is much better when there's a lot more liberty than when there's a lot more authoritarian uh, aspects. Yeah. yeah. John Henry, do you have anything to say to that? No, I think it's, I mean, it's pretty spot on, <laughs> realistically. You know, and speaking of, yeah. you know, that culture piece, right? One of the interesting things, I know this is a topic for this evening, but I think it'd be a good time to segue into it, is going to be oh, the, yeah. the whole entire Joe Rogan thing, <clears throat> right? So I have a couple things I want to cover as far as the music industry, but I think that's one of them is, you know, music is supposed to be that counterculture, but music and that counterculture and politics, it's just kind of cyclical. It's like a dog chasing its tail is what I feel like. And, um, and I think one of the cool things to see right now is all these idiots canceling themselves <laughs> because of that. Take um, my music off the Spotify. Yeah. So now you have, oh, yeah. uh, you have Neil Young gone, Joni Mitchell gone, uh, Liza Minnelli. Apparently I, I didn't even know she sang. I thought she was like a soap opera actress. <laughs> so excuse me there. You know, um, the, the, the number six, I know you want to talk about David Crosby, Peter Frampton oh, yeah. denouncing uh, Spotify. And then you have Barry Manilow. Not Frampton. Yeah. Not Frampton. Yeah, Frampton. I, I think Barry Manilow retracted. No, we, I think oh, I was well, on Michael Malice's page. Yeah, yeah that's and what he, I'm finishing. Yeah, I was going to finish Manilow. that. So okay. Barry Manilow okay, is like, thank you. Uh, no, no, man. I, I never said that because <laughs> now he's seeing. Um, All right, Barry, we're cool. Yeah, we're he's cool like, now, uh, neither myself or anybody <laughs> that represents me stated that. So good for him. Um, at least he knows how to uh, not become part of the woke mob. And, you know, as old old Teflon Don says, everything woke goes to shit. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and I, I don't know. I think this is kind of a it's a, a good accumulation of all of these things. Right. To kind of see the direction that we the people are going in. Right. And, and really what we want to consume um, and just where the shift in ideology is moving to. So, um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. And then I have one other thing as far as a, um, a musical artist I want to get your guys' uh, opinions on. Uh, all right. right. I, I was just thinking uh, Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and uh, who was the other one that? We got um, David Crosby. Now, David Crosby mm. was very passive-aggressive. He said uh, if he owned Spotify, he would pull Rogan. So he didn't make any type of, uh, he didn't throw an ultimatum out there. He didn't say, take it off. And same thing with Peter Frampton. He did the same thing. So, you know, those guys see what happened to Neil Young, where um, there's a really funny meme out there that, like, uh, do you guys see the one that's like 30 years ago today? Or like, it's like age brackets. Um, Shit, I got to find it. Uh, let me find it. I, I, I'm just wondering. How many of them are owned by Blackstone? Oh, of course. Yes. 
of course. And there in Neil Young, actually, there there was something posted about um, his relationship with Blackstone that the organization that actually owns the copyright to his music now is an affiliate or owned by. It had a really weird name. The name doesn't make sense, like phonetically when you read it. Yeah. It's and, hip, and hypnosis. Hypnotic. Or yep. hip, yeah. It's, it's spelled really weird. Yeah. With a G. Yeah, I got it right here. Yeah. It's um. so Michael Malice actually brought this to my attention. So shout out to Michael Malice there. But he posted uh, here on Instagram. I have it pulled up. and I do have it attached to this week's source list, too. Everybody can follow that thread, and I believe he goes into a little bit more on Twitter as well, but it says the majority ownership in Neil Young's music is by a group called Hypnosis, which is H-I-P-G-N-O-S-I-S. And, but Hypnosis and Gnosis, is owned by the Blackstone Group. Yeah, Gnosis is for, that's knowledge. That's like the occult spelling for knowledge. So it's oh, like hip okay. knowledge. Thank you for dropping that on us. See? And that, and then the other nice thing is that uh, he goes on to say that Blackstone is partnered with Analim, Analam, uh, which is Alnalam. I, I don't even know. A-L-N-Y-L-A-M. Analam? I, I, I have <laughs> nothing on that. Alnalam. Alnalam. I'm fucked. Like, you couldn't suck <laughs> alum and drool? Like alum? Like, I know, dude. Super bitter? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard to pronounce this shit. But it's then um, yeah, definitely go to the source list for this one, folks, because I can't pronounce this thing. But it's a pharmaceutical company that works primarily, they say, in biotechnology. And then Malice goes on to say, keep on rocking in the free world, though. <laughs> nice little keep on rocking nice in the gulag. There. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Anomaly there, too. Yeah. To, <laughs> to way too jack for the gulag. Like like that jam, too. But that, that's the other thing I wanted to get into. Like, um, when you talk about all these artists like Joni Mitchell and Peter Frampton and all the assortment of 70s, you know, 60s, 70s rockers that were supposed to stand for, you know, freedom and liberation and all, all, all senses of the word, sexually, uh, with, with drugs and other things, um, you, you have these influences for these people, but are they fake woke? Like, are, are they just playing this up? Is this all part of a, another coordinated media campaign where, like, these guys get, like, an Ed McMahon fucking check? For just going on and say, hey, take the shots. It's good for you. You know, it's just sort of like an aboriginal uh, uh, <laughs> translator, you know, where they just come on and say, yeah, it's a good one. You know, go, go on and get those shots. Yeah, it's, it's a big good one. <laughs> well, in, in my personal opinion, um, I feel like there's a lot of connection between the CIA and the music industry. Uh, when you mm -hmm. look at the Grateful Dead, when you look at... Um, uh, Woodstock, um, the, uh, what was his name that da David Leary, right? Is that his? Oh, Timothy Leary. Tim Timothy, Timothy Leary. Leary yeah. He had some CIA ties. Um, there it's, it's rot with, with, uh, CIA, even like, uh, the lead singer from the Foo Fighters, I believe has some CIA ties. As far as like Ooh, his family Dave goes, Grohl. so well, he did a big concert for the Vax. That was like one of the things about you know. I, I've always been a, a fan of his way of paying homage to uh, artists of the past, and I really enjoyed Sound City, uh, the documentary uh, that he was a part of there too. 
um, and the Foo Fighters documentary. I thought all of them were really well done. And then my, my heart just broke seeing him involved in, the, in that Pfizer thing. And also with uh, Aerosmith and the fucking Vatican. John Henry, did you see all that shit too? Like, what is going on with all these artists just falling prey to this kind of, you know, Lead the COVID legion. Why so are they all joining? It's one giant cabal because they all sold their soul <laughs> to Hollywood. We know yeah. that. Yeah. They got their boule call. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, it's so weird to me to see like uh, people that you respect for being rebels. And then, you know, who would have thought that like, if you would have approached me five years ago and you'd be like, who are the biggest rebels in music five years from now? And I would be like, well, maybe like some kind of hip hop. Maybe it's like maybe like a Kendrick Lamar, right? Or somebody like that. Or maybe, maybe Kanye. Or if you go into like the 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 rock uh type of stuff, maybe you'll find somebody like a Phil Labonte out there uh that's getting out there. You find your Eric Julys. You know who the biggest rebels right now are? Fucking Eric Clapton and Van Morrison. Like the easy yeah. listening section of the fucking CD store. Yeah. Just, and Kid just Rock. Kid Rock throne. is canceling all of his shows that have uh, vaccine mandates or mask mandates. Good for him, man. Yeah. Good, Good for him. Good. Hey, if I'm not yeah. thinking, I was, I was trying to remember and regurgitate to you guys because, you know, memes are great. Uh, the meme is everybody under the age of 30. Who's Neil Young? Everybody age 31 to 60. Didn't realize Neil Young was still alive. Everyone 61 <laughs> or older. What's Spotify? <laughs> yeah i thought that was a pretty good one man but really like yeah that's like would they dig up lawrence welk and be like yeah i'm taking my shit off of pbs no more for you people unless you take the vax like what are we doing here with this stuff i mean and, and like i'm thinking about all the different influences and i'm really glad uh crypto man that you brought this up too because there was a really good documentary and i am a documentary nerd proud of it um, this Dan, uh, I'm sorry, John Potash, uh, documentary called drugs as weapons against us. It's, uh, it, uh, under, under the subtitle is the CIA war on musicians and activists. And it talks about people like Crosby being involved with the CIA. And, and it talks about the grateful dead being involved in the CIA because of the distribution of drugs mm -hmm. and the influences on culture. And then when you just see, like, I'm, I'm glad, John Henry, that you brought up some of uh, Crosby's latest quotes, because he, Crosby's been really well celebrated in the past couple of years. He was involved in what the uh, he fathered uh, Melissa Etheridge's baby. So that helped push like the uh, the whole thing about, um, you know, it, uh, I guess, gay couples having children through that way it ties into the whole transhumanist movement in a way. Not that I'm against, you know, gay rights or anything or gay people maybe having children or anything, but just it seemed to be anything leaning in that direction. He was all about. But one of his latest quotes um, from July 30th of 2021, this is uh, from the American Digest I've attached to this week's source list, is that he called for the killing of Fox founder Rupert Murdoch. Now, Fox has been fucking up a lot lately. Aside from Tucker Carlson, like they really don't have much to stand on anymore. Ooh, I mean, they really Jesse fucked Waters us on Chris Wallace. And... No, uh -huh. no, I know he got his new show. You got to see what he, yet. yeah, he talks about the Clintons and the Carries and uh, the Biden family and like them being criminal organizations. So okay. for him to I'm have a new that. show, uh, he's definitely going to run right alongside Tucker on his level of boldness. So I highly recommend everybody that. look at that and find Jesse Waters uh, segment on the, um, the political crime families. Good for them because All after right. their, after their shit performance on the 2020 election, 
uh, they 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 owe us. <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna give them your views at all, folks, um, Fox News definitely has a lot to make up for. But getting back to the David Crosby thing, he he about Rupert Murdoch. Murdoch he says, I know that there are a lot of really stupid people in the world, and that many of them are in power. So that's true. I'll agree with that. And that the rest are being fed a whole shitload of absolutely untrue shit. That is also true. Yep. But then he goes on to say Rupert Murdoch should be taken out and shot. Now, I'm quoting here just so everybody knows. But then Crosby said uh, that during an interview with the Daily Beast. So anything that's an interview with the Daily Beast, you pretty much chalk up to being directly uh, you know, left or leftist. But then also he said the people on Fox are doing great harm to the human race. And he says, what can I say? They're lying for money. <laughs> so it feels hopeless because they don't mind lying. Lying for money is normal to them. It's okay, he added. And then I'm just thinking about the current situation where him and all of his fucking friends are. And they're supporting the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world, along Ooh. with the biggest governments in the world, to do what I think is unconscionable to their people. And who have had had to pay fines for lying, like massive oh, yes. fines. Yeah. Oh, lying. absolutely, too. Yeah, the biggest fucking liars in, in legal history. <laughs> these, these, these fucking companies, folks. Murderous. Yeah, look up Pfizer's track record <laughs> in, in the courts. Not organizations. Great. Oh, absolutely, too. Uh, we we had uh, TJ Wright on from Healthy Courage uh, last week, and when he talked about uh, what was it, Bextra, he said that it killed more people than fucking Vietnam. Yeah, like a drug, yeah. a drug that was given to like your family, your most likely too, because of the the amount of prescriptions that were given out. Like somebody in your family probably took this shit. Yeah, that more people died taking that than died in Vietnam. It's unbelievable. Where's their wall? Where's where's people wailing and 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 you know scratching uh uh the imprints you know on the pieces of paper and laying flowers and wreaths and flags and shit like that? We don't have them for for the 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 genocide that that Pfizer's been involved in. That, since that's because inception. they don't want people to remember. Absolutely, of course not. Yeah, you're very correct in that. And I mean, you're, you're talking about you think about the indoctrination of people overall and. Like I remember reading somebody had reposted uh, a video that this girl put out that um, her grandfather uh, is really sick and he he's a, he's an idiot and he didn't get vaccinated. So she's not saying that she wouldn't be sad if he died, but he gets what he deserves. Like, that's the world we live in. People cheer for that. People go, yeah, girl. Yeah. Like, so is anything a surprise? And speaking of our podcast with TJ, I just want to give uh, yes. ourselves a shout out. <laughs> Not that I ever mm -hmm. do that. But if you guys saw the Project Veritas stuff about the, um, you know, misdosing the vaccinations this week, this is all the shit we talked about last week. Literally yeah. last week, um, you know, using the wrong dilutants, giving children the wrong dosages, all that shit, man. So, uh, you know, we just love James O'Keefe and all the Project Veritas stuff. So I'm glad to see that. Um, crypto man, real quick. Um, since you live in Vermont, you're basically Canadian. How do you feel about the uh, the trucks in Ottawa? <laughs> uh, I actually haven't given it too much mind, eh? So, uh, <laughs> no, well put, uh, well for um, I don't think they're fascist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd agree, 
<laughs> Wait, the government or the truckers? Because one of them is. <laughs> well, the government yeah, is definitely, definitely some... fascist. But I, uh, <sighs> unlike the WAPO artist, I don't, I don't think the truckers are fascist. <laughs> gotcha. You know, it's it's amazing. Trudeau's such a pussy. That first he, you know, is uh, you know, sex tuple vast, uh, vaxed, and um, and then he fucking fled the city. One the truckers got there with his family to a secret location. I would, I would too. I, I would too. I hope he's shitting his pants in a bunker somewhere. Yeah, like that. That's you know that's, what's so that's fucking what needs cool to be happening is there. all the Canadians lining the highways to cheer for these guys. You know, unbelievable. And then um, I think it was Elon that actually made a post about you know, great job Canadian truckers. Um, you know, big tech can't censor a CB radio. And I'm like, fuck, that's, you know, you talk about grassroots shit. You know, it's the longest convoy in history. There's it's 50,000 trucks, 50,000 trucks. I mean, I thought they were just a fringe. fringe Of course they are fringe extremists. Uh, So, you know, what's cool is now you start to see the news reports on, you know, alternative media. Um, and reporters going up to the truck drivers and I watched a really good one today. And she says, um, you know, well, well, do you think this is going to make a difference? You know, how long are you going to be here? And the guy goes, yeah, it's going to make a difference because we're not leaving until the change happens. I have enough food and supplies and, um, you know, in my cab and my truck that I can be here for weeks. So extraordinary, you know, it's really extraordinary seeing people stand like literally, as I talk about this, I'm getting goosebumps, you know, because the people of Canada stand with those truck drivers And, you know, if there's food on the shelves, a truck driver brought it. If there's, you know, gas in the gas station, a truck driver brought it. I mean, they're the lifeblood of of countries and continents for sure. So um, just really incredible to see that this last couple of days. And, you know, what's cool, too, is it, you know, it started with just truckers. But if you watch it now, it's uh, Canadian citizens pulling RVs, people just driving in regular vehicles. So just uh, unbelievable to see that. It's a beautiful thing, man. That, that's been something that has moved me this week. And, you know, it certainly, uh, it, it, it gives a lot of hope because it just shows, don't fuck with the people, man. <laughs> There's more of us than there are of you, um, for well, it sure. it shows you how out of tune Neil Young, no, no pun intended, I guess, but yeah, how out of tune Neil Young is <laughs> with the public right now. Hey. Like he's a Canadian American. Like he should be able to look at his own people Standing up in massive, peaceful civil disobedience. You're talking like about that. a guy whose and most famous song of his career that's made him tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars over his career is Keep on Rocking in the Free World. You motherfucker. Yeah. Like, how dare you, man? Or Ohio. Yeah. Like, I, I tweeted earlier this week, I was like, imagine if, like, because he's involved in a lot of political protest songs. One of them in particular that's always stuck with me that's not as well known is Stand and Be Counted, which is about Tiananmen Square. And I'm like, what if what if Neil Young came out on the side of the Ohio National Guard for shooting the kids at Kent State? What if Neil Young came out on the side of the CCP for running over their own people with fucking tanks and then obliterating it from history? You know, what if he yeah. came out in favor of that sort of censorship? Sick shit, man. It's unbelievable to me. It is. It's really sickening. And and Crypto Man, to toss this back your way, say that we could uh, make you part of the convoy and put you on a giant Macy's Day like type of parade float out there to rap to the people standing on the, on the, on the side <laughs> cheering them on. Um, who are you bringing with you? Who's part of your rap crew that goes up to, uh, to Canada to take over Ottawa with you? Who are you bringing? Oh, uh, jeez. Um... Hold on. Can I just, uh, uh, I want to be your hype man when you're singing adrenochrome, please. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. yeah, that is a catchy fucking song too. And I'm man. a giant that motherfucker. I can be head. a good hype man. Trust me. I mean, yes. Eric July and Backwards definitely with uh, like with their ideal uh, ideology. Um, oh yeah, for they'd sure. Rip it. Um, I really like the company of the Demigods and uh, Enemy, the Illist. Okay. Um, All right. But you have to send me some links. You have yeah, to send me yeah. some links for so, sure. Uh, I went on tour with those guys back in 2016 or something like that. And that's a good year to be on tour. That's awesome. Yeah. But, we, you know, we had some pushback. It was actually kind of funny. Um, so yeah, we, tell us tour stories because I love those, man. We, we were talking about vaccines and apathy. He actually made a song that was like, uh, fairly anti-vax and then he kind of like retracted it and uh self-titled he's another uh rapper from the demigods uh his dad was with us and both his uh self-titled's dad and i were like pushing back on apathy for his views and uh it was mainly the the whole mandated aspect so like ideologically Uh, we probably don't see eye to eye, but it's just really great hanging out with those guys. So, yeah. Crypto man, let me ask you this because you, you know, one, this this will kind of be a two part question. One, you are in a very distinct niche of hip hop and really just music in general. Right. Um, and so the first part of the question is how and why, right? What motivated you to do that? Did the music come first? Did it all kind of culminate into one entity of this is what you want to do? And the second part is being that it is such a small niche, how do you feel now to see the type of publicity and fan bases and the size that they are for people like, you know, Canadian Tom McDonald, right? I think that as far as this last year, Tom McDonald has accomplished just something absolutely extraordinary as an independent artist. People like Dax uh, along with him, um, you know, Bryson Gray. So you have all these other, you know, hip hop artists that are now just getting a huge amount of publicity and building these massive fan bases. So for such a, you know, this I would call a fringe group, right, or just a really small niche group. So Kind of that two part, man. What made you get into that? Um, you know, as far as okay, this is uh, this is what I want. This is my narrative that's going to be me as an artist. And then just your thoughts on you know people that uh, are also in that same realm as you, just blowing up, especially this last year. Um. So I would say, and shout out to Tom McDonald. He's he's great. Uh, actually, I don't know if you guys have heard the album uh, "Killing the Neighbors" with Mad Child. But um, I grew up listening to Mad Child back in like seventh, eighth grade and stuff. Yeah, and he's another one. I miss that. Members. Oh, yeah. Um, but so and, and I actually got Mad Child on a song, too. So that that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. That's um, but at any rate, so. Uh, getting uh, getting into this kind of music, this niche. I think it's a little of both. I, I I was always independent and I wanted to do things my way. 
and you can screw your uh, your authoritary. Like I, I don't respect your authoritary. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like um, in in public school, I was always like felt like the outcast, but at the same time, they would always like put me in with the leader group and I'd have to go on these uh, little weekend get togethers for like learning how to be a leader in the community and stuff. So there's that. And then I was also into like insane clown posse and uh, static X and um, swollen members and demigods, uh, Jedi mind tricks. And so I always had like an independent streak. And since like middle school, I've been into like this outcast sort of like scrubby, uh, like niche underground rap scene. And they kind of culminated into this uh, political underground rap uh, type thing that I do now. I guess that's that's how I would say. Um, but I was also uh, in in Demolay, which is like um, people who were under twenty one who wanted to be in like the Freemasons and stuff. So I've always had like an esoteric uh, outlook in life. That was like in maybe sixth grade to eighth grade, and. Uh, all those guys were listening to ICP too. So I don't know. It was a crazy roller coaster of a ride to get where I am now. And I was going to ask you too, like um, one thing I listened to, you did a, a, a really great interview uh, with Humble Among on the Machete Ish. I watched it on the Machete Ish Records uh, YouTube channel. Yep. Uh, which I attached this week's source list for people to check out as well. But when you were talking to Humble Among there, and he was talking about the um, documentary that he was a part of, uh, of doing about juggalos and everything, it made me think, like, w- since we're talking about niches and politics and everything like that, the juggalos as a group ha- are a much maligned group. They have been labeled, they have been maligned, they have been ostracized uh, from the mainstream, and I think that's a lot of their identity too, but that that's very similar to you know, how people have been treated in the past couple of years politically from the, rather the MAGA movement or Trump supporters, whatever you want to call them, or, or, you know, currently with people that are taking a stand on medical freedom. Like I see all the similarities in the treatment of how people have treated juggalos in the past and how they're treating political dissidents of today. Like, do you, do you see those similarities and have you felt that yourself? Like, have you felt like you, you've been maligned because of your uh, affiliation with, with that type of art? Uh, as far as my feeling of being like maligned, I, I've always felt sort of like an outcast, but I haven't felt maligned. But I have okay. seen like the Juggalo community, which is very tight knit very loving of one another um being maligned uh like as a group and i feel like that that sort of give gave me empathy towards 
like the MAGA movement or the Tea Party, the Tea Party back in uh, 2012 or whatnot. Um, so I like I, I can see where people are getting a raw deal and not. And I might not like align with them politically or uh, psychologically, but I can see that they're getting a raw deal. And uh, so, like when Trump was getting accused of like uh, he's a Russian puppet or whatever that whole BS, um, I was like, why are you like bringing this crap up? This is obviously fake, and. Uh, I'm like, if you want to like chastigate the guy, at least bring up something that's pertinent. Uh, one being like the Yemen uh, issue, where oh, there's yes. hundreds of thousands of people being like being starved to death, uh, all because we're helping the, Sa- the Saudis uh, like wage war on them, and yeah, and modern slavery and everything. Yeah, yeah, you're and, right. I, and I know Trump didn't start it, but he didn't lift the blockades or or things that he could have done. And I, I don't blame him for it. But at, at the same time, when I see people bringing up like Russiagate and like talking crap about Trump, bringing that stuff up, I'm like, if you're going to malign the guy, at least use something that that's relevant to today. Like don't bring up some BS narrative that you just got force fed from CNN, you know? I think in two, like just from the people that I know that are into ICP and have to dealt with people like maybe getting on their shit about it. It's just that it, it just makes them dig their heels in more too. Like, I think that's why when you mentioned it's such a tight knit community is that when people, you know, get, get blasted by the media, like juggalos do is just like, no, fuck that. I'm even more about it now. Like I'll, 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 I'll tattoo a hatchet man on myself. I, I'll go, you know, to the gathering every fucking year because just, just to, give a middle finger to all the people that don't understand that. And I I think that's, what's great about hip hop right now is because like, it still has that ability to be independent. It's something that's accessible for people to get into. Um, You know, there's different levels of course. And then we were talking earlier a little bit, you know, about your production and everything and you have great production. So you work with a really good production team, I must say, because I listen to a lot of different styles of music and I can tell that you're working with people that know what the fuck they're doing. Um, but you know, when, when it comes down to that, like in the professional sense too, like has, has it helped you like being accepted by other artists because you're so open-minded and you're into Liberty stuff and you're into, you can be into juggalo music the same as you could be in other forms of music. Like you seem to be pretty diverse is where your influences come from. Like has, has it helped to, to have that open mind? Do you think, cause it just seems like everybody's so closed minded in the artists that were presented in the mainstream versus where maybe you're coming from uh yeah i i feel like i can work with a a broad range of people um uh like that the video i sent you earlier tonight um yeah that was with intrinsic he he does a lot of my mixing and mastering um and he he's actually he lives in hawaii right now uh oh, he's shit. from air uh yeah, Arizona. So um, he does a lot of my mixing and mastering. Another guy is Katie the Stranger, and he's from the Ukraine. He's living in France now because he's actually he was on the the Russian border. So 
so he's like skip town um wow a lot of a lot of the work he does can be done just with a a wi-fi connection so he's all set but have you had like communication with him recently about everything that's happened this past week with Ukraine? Cause Putin pants did not have a very good call. I heard with the Ukrainian president um, and they even, I thought they even pulled that shit off of C. You know, you're fucking up bad if you're a democratic president and they have to pull your story from CNN. Like you really done fucked up. <laughs> uh, I haven't talked to him this past week, but he did okay. say that if they were going to attack, if Russia was going to attack, uh, the city he was based in, uh, Katie the Stranger, that city was going to be like the first area to be struck. So uh, he saw the writing on the wall and he just jetted out to France. And um, uh, so my understanding, what I'm more afraid of, I'm less afraid of like Russia attacking the Ukraine than I am about the U.S. Uh, doing a false flag and then saying Russia invaded the Ukraine. So that's, okay. that's just my take on it. Oh, yeah. And, and you seem like the type of person where you're well-read enough and you have enough uh, grasp of, of the history, too. Like, when you bring up things like that, like the false flags, like, I'm just thinking, like, it, getting back to our previous conversation about the bridge collapse is that when you have that bad of a news headline going around that could smash your your already terrible like fucking shitty uh approval levels if you're biden you need a good distraction like you need something else to take people's eyes off of that and then all of a sudden there's a catastrophe and he just gets to fly in like superman and say i'm gonna save the day i'm gonna fix every bridge that's out there right uh, it's just it, it, it's still going back to that it still blows my mind the the amount of uh, o- overt bullshit that they try and feed us that yeah. we're supposed to accept. <laughs> and and I'm not saying that that bridge was a false flag. Uh, of course. I can, yeah. see, I can see even, even if so say it was completely uh, organic and he comes out and he's like, that's why we need to build back better. Um, like I, I can see it both ways and it's like, don't ever let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, you know, it's either it could be a false flag or it could be the genuine article and and they're just using it to their advantage. But it does uh, it does add to the narrative that, you know, oh, well, the infrastructure did, bill didn't pass. So, you know, like here, demolish a bridge. Look, our infrastructure is so crap that we need we really need to. Uh, push this bill through even though what their infrastructure actually doesn't it it's not all infrastructure it's a lot of it's just lining people's pockets that don't need to be lined oh yeah i mean when you talk about that in politics the amount of pork that's involved in bills like that when we're talking about billions upon billions of dollars being sent out to different agencies, creation of new agencies, all, all the shit that was wrapped up in the infrastructure bill. Of course, the, the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Yeah. And that, that brings up another question to you too. Like uh, just uh, th- with, with the Republican infrastructure that's there, you know, personnel wise, 
like the not only the the staffers of course too which will, there's been a lot of talk that past the, this past week about how staffers ever since uh marjorie taylor green was on timcast irl mm-hmm. and educated me a little bit about you know who's really in charge there in washington how people vie for different staffers and everything um if given the opportunity for a position um what what type of staff are you provided uh there in your hometown like what what, what type of staff are you provided there or do you have to come up with your own people or how does that work? Uh, it's part time. It's not like a full time okay. gig. Uh, All right. It's like uh, I might get one staffer, which I would hope that I had a say in who that staffer was. Um, but it sounds more like I would have to find someone to help me and and it'd be all out of pocket. So it's really not doing me any service by like, if I were to get into office, it'd, it'd actually be a net negative, uh, as far as my wallet's concerned. Um, but e- like, even if they did provide me a staffer or two, uh, I would, and say they, they do their own thing. You know, they're hired by the state and I can't have a say in it just for argument's sake. Um, I would still want to bring someone I actually trust into the cabinet instead of just relying on these state appointed individuals. Yeah. And speaking of uh <laughs> Speaking of a deep state or or just, you know, bureaucrats that never seem to go away, I've uh, pulled up here an article for this week's source list, too, uh, from The Blaze, that the WHO director has thanked Neil Young for pulling his songs off Spotify. Um, Their big, big uh, photo of Tedros at Hanon. Um, Let me see if I can get through. Is he not a fan of Neil Young or... I don't. Well, he said uh, it says here in the article that the director general of the World Health Organization thanked legendary musician Neil Young for taking a stand against Joe Rogan's podcast and pulling his music from Spotify. Tedros Adhanom uh, Ghebreyesus tweeted his message to Young on Thursday. He said, uh, Neil Young, thanks for standing up against misinformation and inaccuracies around hashtag COVID-19 vaccination, public and private sector in particular, social media platforms, media, individuals, we all have a role to play to end this pandemic and infodemic, Gabricius tweeted. Man, that there's so much to go into there. Like, well, for, for first off, he never says what's misinformation. Mm-hmm. He never points out any inaccuracies, right? Uh, he pushes the vaccination, of course, because that's, that's their fucking job at this point, right? And then the public and private sector part, that's the fascism part right there. Like when you want to write fascist on the side of a truck, this right. motherfucker should be driving that truck for making that statement right there. When you talk about that the public and private sector need to combine with one another in any way. And then he talks about social media platforms and media and individuals that we all have to self-censor, that we all have to censor ourselves for, for his viewpoint. And, what, and what, how, how do you interpret that as an artist that somebody like that's cheering this shit on? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is this is the same World Health Organization that tweeted out early on in the epi- uh, 
quote unquote epidemic, um, saying that there's no evidence of human to human contact. That's the first thing that comes <laughs> yeah, to human, mind. Human to trans- yeah, transmission. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that shit. No evidence of human to human transmission at all. Meanwhile, in Germany right now, they're chasing your ass around with a six foot ruler to make sure that you're standing far enough apart from Ridiculous. the other person. <laughs> John Henry, what do you think of this article? <laughs> are, are, are you are you pleased to see Tedros's big fucking smile next to Neil's shriveled up nutsack face? That's my response. That's <laughs> <clears throat> all I got. Ridiculous. It really is sad, man. I mean, like when you're seeing like it, these we're types in a of world creatures where the fucking Surgeon up. General is going after fucking Joe Rogan. Like it's so well, obscene. that was the next article I was going to bring so up. Ridiculous. Yeah, VTEC Murphy. Yeah, like, what what a piece of shit this guy is. Like, like he's in an official people, government position. They're here. being whored yeah. out. Like that's what it is. He's a fucking puppet whore of these guys. So way to go, Neil Young. Fuck you. <laughs> that's how I feel. Yep. Yeah, Vivek, Vivek Murphy suggested that Joe Rogan should be censored for pushing misinformation, and he's a government official. Like, it, it's different because when it's Tedros, it's like, yeah, we give a bunch of money to the UN. They really don't have that much control over our sovereignty yet. It's, it's, it's constantly encroaching, don't get me wrong, and I'm not happy about it. And I think that, uh, you know, old Teflon Don was right about pulling our money out of that organization and telling them all to get fucked. Um, you know, human rights, you know, counsel my ass. Absolutely. <laughs> they don't know what the fuck human. they don't, they, they know as much about human rights as Lizzo knows about dieting, <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, we're body positive on the show. Remember? So body positive. That's, that's <laughs> why we go to the, the Chinese buffet and then go to the bathroom there and then go back to the buffet. Cause we, and we then go tweet hard. out a food baby emoji. <laughs> Yes. 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 Yeah. That is. I, I think that should be the replacement for that. If we're going to tell <laughs> Apple to go fuck themselves, that's how their 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 symbol can be appropriated from now on. They, if the left wants to appropriate our symbols, if they want to tell us that if I tell someone some something is okay, like how I start off this podcast every single time, yeah, that's not a white supremacy symbol. That's a four chan bullshit thing. But still, like if if they're gonna appropriate symbols, I say we do it too. Not only do we take back the word patriot from them, that they're not allowed to tell people it's patriotic to go get your thirteen thousandth booster, but also, yeah, we're taking back the fucking pregnant man. You no, know it's funny. He's ours now. I don't know if you guys have noticed this or maybe <laughs> just I did because my brain is broken. But um, yeah. the, the, <laughs> the pregnant man emoji with brown hair looks exactly like Demi Lovato in her current oh, okay. state. <laughs> you know, you're probably not going far there. <laughs> Just look, pull up a picture of her. Um, so She would be one of the first ones to do the transhumanist. Uh, she said you know, that she total wants to exchange, fucking right? alien. She's out of her mind. Um, so I, got, I mean, I've seen E.T., you know, I, I'm not saying that when I was drinking that it couldn't have happened, but <laughs> those are dark, dark times for you. So um, yeah. I want to bounce around since, you know, we're talking about all these scumbags in the, um, you know, in, in music. Right. Um, I want to talk about an ultimate scumbag in music. And I'm not even going to state his name because he does not deserve that. Uh, did you guys okay. by any chance see uh, in New York City the 16-year-old hip-hop artist that shot an NYPD police officer and uh, was out on bond five days later? But check this shit out. Um, so he has a uh, a record deal advance 
from Interscope Records. 16-year-old hip-hop artist uses his advance to pay the $250,000 bond five days after he shoots a New York City cop. Wow. I expect yep, that that's not money well spent there, Interscope. <laughs> yeah, that's just... Um, but yeah, how, what the fuck like, has ever happened Interscope to Interscope? Have an they ounce used to be of one of the dignity. best... And, and not yeah. go, whoa, 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 you, you shot a cop. You can't use your fucking record advance money for that or we're retracting it. Yeah, I think if, if GoFundMe doesn't allow people to use like their uh, well, they, money they that's they been donated the to them for bail it. for January 6th. They didn't let the truckers <laughs> use it either. They fucking pulled their GoFundMe account. Yeah, that's a word to the wise for everybody out there that's looking into getting into any sort of crowdfunding. Uh, don't use GoFundMe. Uh, fuck them. You know, use. Uh, we were talking a little bit before off air uh, to uh, Crypto Man about you maybe getting into some sort of like subscribe star or something like that. There's definitely plenty of paying alternatives out there, and I think too that that's that's the other future of independence and independent music and decentralization is finding means um, to to fund your projects and to uh, market your 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 art to other people, whether being physical copies of things. Because uh, I heard you and Humble Among talking about that, but just like, yeah, you know, tell tell me about that. Like, what what is it like being an independent artist and having to uh, use these alternative platforms and means to reach people? Uh, the alternative platforms are great. Uh, I'm yeah. just like getting into the bit shoot, and I need to look into Rumble a little bit, even though you know their algorithm is a little screwy. But um, just the aspect of of getting the gatekeepers out of the way. Like back, yeah. back in the day, it was, uh, <laughs> like you'd be signed for like $10,000 just to put out a single or something like in the eighties and stuff. But though all those record labels were like controlled by like the mafia and stuff and or the CIA and, uh, mm-hmm. Like nowadays, as an independent artist, you can get your music on iTunes and uh, like the main platforms that everyone uses, as well as getting them on uh, alternative tech platforms um, fairly easily. So it really just it, it takes away the gatekeeper aspect of it and allows you to directly source uh, like get down and connect with the fan base uh, directly. And I, I'm really a big fan of that. Um, it, I was like, when I first started rapping, I was like, oh, I need to get my music in coconuts and uh, FYE and strawberries and stuff. And, and now it's like all those brick and mortar shops are like gone to the wayside. So yeah. Um, just being able to connect with, with your fans directly, that's huge. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. Uh, I definitely need to up my game as far as like, uh, subscribe star goes. Um, I am on Patreon, but I'm just, uh, you know, uh, using it as a patron to support other like-minded individuals like the propaganda report. Um, there you go. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And you use a great term there called gatekeeping. I mean, that's something that 
I think a lot of people that listen to the show becoming a lot more familiar with lately, just because like the, the amount of control and censorship that's out there, like just hearing about that story that John Henry just brought up, like, uh, that was, uh, I think John Henry, rather you sent that to me or another person sent me that story. I really didn't get a chance to jump that much into it, but just like the, it, it I say it every week. I shouldn't be shocked anymore. Right. Like when, when somebody gets that kind of advance and it's used, you know, for those sort of means and, and especially violence, because that's the one thing that, you know, when a lot of people associate, um, hip hop and, and you look back into like the era that I got into hip hop, like I, I got into hip hop because, uh, my grandmother actually bought me the iced tea, uh, album, original gangster. Damn. Uh, because I couldn't, I couldn't buy it because it had the uh, parental advisory yeah. label on it. Thanks, Tipper Gore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and and just to think back to that era too, like a lot of that stuff, like it's so mind expanding. Like hearing those stories, uh, the the it's the old the samples that are pulled from different door. things. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, and, and like the thing about that though is that. You know, a lot of it, though, it, it's so much associated with violence. Like, there's so much violence. Yeah. I know that you you have you have friends that are in the horror core and other things like that. But like, tell me, like, how does how the, how does the violent aspect like work with your style of music? How does it affect like how your shows are and what your audience is like? And then what you, I mean, because it sounds like I mean, if you're a big fan of Ron Paul, obviously you're not a violent guy, uh-huh. but like you might you you might have like violent you know, like thoughts or emotions that you connect with that you, you know, get out through your music. So how, how does the violence aspect like work its way into what you do? I, I do like me some army of Pharaohs, little guilty pleasure. Yes. And <laughs> okay. actually, you know, yeah. apathy and self-titled are part of the army of Pharaohs. So they're Very for cool. sure, man. Uh, uh, so, okay. So violence, um, it's funny. So this song's not public yet going to be on the album i stopped releasing singles for the album until i actually released the album um but i i mentioned like uh freddie and jason and i like i have a machete in hand but promote non-aggression and stuff (laughs) you know um so there's that aspect but at the same time so uh what is it I'll curb stomp your head like an Edward Norton anti uh Edward Norton antivirus. Damn. <laughs> yes. I'll curb stomp your head like an Edward Norton antivirus. Wow. Yep, I drew I a blank. It. That's all good though. Um, so you know, I I do put in some some violence and and themes in my uh music but at the same time so that verse that i was trying to rap for you um but you know i'm getting a little tired uh oh it's understandable it's late as hell and and the other thing i was going to say too i brought that up because john henry and i we're, we're also into a lot of heavy metal and so much of heavy metal in the lyrics i grew up listening to like if you listen to cannibal corpse for instance yeah. like you read that and you're like i am so afraid of these people because of the shit that they write. And then like, I got a chance to meet them at like a mayhem fest and they were the chillest dudes. Yeah. Well, they were like guys that would be hanging out at my local bar, you know, or playing, playing wow. Cause like, uh, the, the lead singer is a big wow fan, but like 
you know, just like shit like that. Like they, they're normal dudes. They're just using this as a platform to kind of get out their aggression. Like, do, do you, do you connect with that? Uh, yeah. And I also, I also, uh, respect their, um, physical, um, content, like the, the, oh, yeah. the way they, uh, press their CDs and, and the, the packages that they have, they just, uh, astonished me. So yeah, no, uh, cannibal corpse that definitely, um, I respect their, gr- their grind. Uh, but so I was thinking like when you brought up heavy metal, I'm like, oh yeah, like they, a lot of the heavy metal touches on violence and stuff. But if you really dig down deep, um, a lot of it's like anti-war type, uh, messaging and absolutely stuff like that. All the way back to black Sabbath, man. The the Godfather is a heavy metal for sure. So it's, it's like, they might talk about like some disturbing content, but it doesn't mean they they're promoting that content. And I, I try to be the same way. Uh, a lot of my stuff is kind of like dark and, and violent, but at the same time I try and use like analogies and stuff. So, you know, if you dig down another layer, you'll see that I was actually meaning something completely different or, like connecting it with like a different message than what the um uh like uh what's it called throwing pearls to swine like I, yeah you kind of have to veil it in like some hidden hidden meanings and stuff so like if people you know they they can just rock out to it and and not get like a deeper meaning. But if you like dig down into the lyrics and stuff, you start thinking in a different pathway. <clears throat> right now I'm, I'm listening to a book uh, called snow crash by Neil Stevenson. And, um, it's, what's that about? Cause that, that's something John, a, John Henry is our big reader here. He might know it's something like, about that. Uh, biological slash technological virus called snow crash. And there's a thing called the metaverse and this book was released or published in uh, 1992 and it was, there's something called the metaverse. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. Um, and it's about this, uh, pizza delivery guy. He works for La Cosa Nostra pizza Inc. And, um, he's also a hacker and, it's just crazy but like the more you dig down into it the reason why i brought that up so uh these people they have like different languages and stuff and the way that they learn the languages like once they're learning the language it's digging grooves into their neural pathways and like depending on what language they know their neural pathways are grooved differently so they think on a different line as uh, than other people. And I feel like when you start to understand some of my music or content in a deeper level, it's kind of like grooving your neural pathways in a different way. Well, and it's like grooves in a record too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, the too. two have very, very a lot of similarities, man. That's great. 
John, John Henry, what do you have to say about the connection of violence and music? I know that you use it a lot to uh, assist you in your workouts, hence the name of our, our second episode, uh, The Demon's Name is Surveillance, uh, after the Meshuggah song. So You know, it's funny, um, because I am uh, slightly hypocritical. And, you know, obviously it's important <laughs> to to acknowledge your faults. And um, for me, uh, you know, I find it to be pretty therapeutic. I love really, really heavy music. I love the red cord. I, you know, love Meshuggah. Um, stuff that, you know, fit for an autopsy, right? I mean, things that, um, you know, they, they use some pretty gnarly language in there. You know, but that being said, I talked about Doom, um, you know, on one of yeah. our last podcasts about how, I just didn't like having that at my house. I didn't like all of the uh, satanic, um, you know, visuals that were on there. And I don't like anything that's like demonic as far as a horror movie. I just don't like the the feel and the vibe of that. So, I mean, for me, I, I like heavy fucking music and I like lifting weights. And, you know, to me, they, they've always kind of went hand in hand. But that being said, going to like a cannibal corpse, I, I've never been into that. Like I was never mm-hmm. a Cannibal Corpse fan. I was okay with the music. You know, I like the the anger, the aggression. I like all of that. But I personally have, you know, steered away from that. Any black metal that's really like satanic, you know, um, themes. Just not super into it, you know. But, you know, again, I, I like listening to the Army of Pharaohs every once in a while. And they say some really brutal shit on there. But it's art, right? So... <laughs> Yes, exactly right. That's that's exactly the the line that pops into my head. Um, You know, but it's also subjective. You know what I mean? Like when you're, you know, your Edward Norton virus, like, you know, the American History X reference, like that all makes sense to me. So to me, I try to look at where, you know, music and lyrics and and art in general uh, should always be open to interpretation. You know, I've made music my entire life. And there's a lot of things that I've said lyrically, but they weren't, it wasn't literal. So, you know, I find that it's important to not take things literal, just as Crypto Man said, right? So it's kind of my feeling on it. You know, it's, it's weird, you know, because if I don't listen to that music, I don't feel the same. And even though it's, there's really negative lyrics and verbiage, I, I get a positive out of it just because it elicits a certain type of, I don't know, dopamine hit, you know, response, energy, adrenaline kicking in. Um, so that's kind of my hypocritical thoughts on it. <laughs> and lastly, um, just to kind of finish up uh, this week's episode, Crypto Man, I wanted to give you just a, a little bit to say something about uh, a single you released a little while ago uh, about Free Ross and about Ross Albright. Like what brought you to... Uh, making that sort of content like and and how did you uh get involved in that movement tell, tell our audience a little bit about well, it. i was uh kind of writing about uh, i've already like known about like the, the ross albrecht uh situation and um i was writing like this prison reform uh song based off of uh Dr. Robert Murphy's, uh, he's a, he's not a medicine doctor. He's an economist. Uh, Robert Murphy's, uh, essay called, uh, chaos theory. And it was about like the private prison system 
and how there like there how there can be an alternative way to uh sort of um enforce laws and and stuff so i i took a lot of his information and made it my own uh hopefully he agrees with what i proposed um but then i went to Quark Fest. It's a free state project festival yeah. in northern and New Dave Hampshire. Smith and Robbie Bernstein and stuff like that have been talking about it. Yeah. 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 So I've I've been going to that for the past few years. I don't know if I can make it this year. It's almost sold out already. Uh so if wow. if you want to go, get your tickets now. Um but so I went I went to a few of those and I watched uh uh symposium of Lynn Albrecht speak about Ross and his mom, Lynn. And it kind of moved me to try and put out something that would give back to, to the cause. And so all the proceeds from hashtag free Ross, uh, will do go to, uh, the free Ross foundation. And I, I encourage everyone to go to the change.org. I know how much, you know, change.org petitions actually help, but every signature does help. So uh, I encourage everyone to sign Ross Ulbricht's petition and um, all the proceeds from my song go to the Free Ross Foundation to help him get released. And yeah, so, uh, and that's, uh, in uh, in forever, like as as long as my song yeah, is in up, perpetuity. The, the the proceeds will go to that cause. So that's awesome. Uh, hopefully, yeah, I included uh, the website, the Free Ross Albrecht website. I included that in this week's source list, great. and there is a link there that you can click in the upper right hand corner. It's a big red box, folks. Can't miss it. it. Says click here to sign the petition. But I also found another article, and I wasn't sure if you were aware of this, Crypto Man or John Henry, that the FBI, our buddies, right, uh, our, our Justice Department here in this country, man, um, has been picking up some Bitcoins from operations like that. Um, I, I found an article here. This is dated January 24th, uh, 2022. It's from Paybito. It's called, How Did the FBI Acquire 1.5% of the World's Total Bitcoins? And it talks about the Silk Road stakeout where it says the U.S. Justice Department's Bitcoin Association uh, came into the spotlight with the 2013 shutdown of the infamous darknet marketplace for drugs and other illicit items, the Silk Road. It says the FBI shut down the website while placing founder Ross Albright in lifelong imprisonment. But the the other paragraph that I thought that was the important one, and this is the one, John Henry, I'd like to get your thoughts on before we close up too. An initial 70,000 Bitcoins were acquired from the site's Bitcoin wallets. The law enforcement agency was finally able to seize 174,000 Bitcoins. The dark site, however, had an estimated 450,000 unaccounted Bitcoins, and the amount was switched to another account in 2020 at a valuation surpassing $1 billion. Albright's personal stash was 600,000 coins. 
is a notable percentage of the total available Bitcoins from a singular person's perspective. The total valuation had scaled past $3 billion within the span of a year in 2021. But think about that. The FBI just stumbles upon 174,000 Bitcoins. I wonder where that money went. You know, how, how different is that <clears throat> than when they take cash from criminal oh, yeah. enterprises? The only thing yep, with drug dealers, yeah. the drug game, the drug war, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and Ron Paul called that shit out decades ago, right? Well, what's crazy that's why is let's that's say why that, all three of us are sitting here. I'm sure, you know, you live in the Northeast. Let's say you were driving to West Virginia, uh, to buy mm-hmm. property and it's an old farmer that only wants cash for it. And you have that accessible and you were crossing state lines with, uh, we'll call it a hundred thousand dollars cash. They can seize that money from you. Even though you can say it's mine, I drew it out of my bank account, they can seize it from you. So those types of seizures are, are they're very common. But here's the difference between the cash and the Bitcoin. With that much Bitcoin and that being a percentile, that overall currency, does that give them the ability to manipulate that, that crypto market a little bit? Right. So that's what sticks Absolutely. out to me, because you would think with all the encryptions and all that shit, it's not like they were just frivolous on on Silk Road where, you know, you're just sending PayPal cash. I mean, this is like highly encrypted information with these Bitcoin. So that's what I wonder, you know, was that completely strategic? Because we know that the CIA, the FBI, they've been complicit in drug running for as long as they've existed. So I don't even think it was about that. You know, that leads me to believe anyway, just off the top of my head, I would say that that whole entire thing was specifically to seize that Bitcoin for sure. Excellent. And Crypto Man, what do you have to say about that little nugget of, of knowledge I just shared with the audience about the FBI seizing all that Bitcoin? A few things. So one, um, Bitcoin uh, counter to popular belief uh it's not about anonymity it's oh yeah uh, absolutely it's it's about tracking from you can you it's about the blockchain you can track those transactions like back to its original uh mining source so it was once thought to be uh anonymous and stuff and that's why it was being used on the silk road um some blockchain currencies do stress on the anonymity part but bitcoin is not one of them so that that's just one thing i wanted to throw out there uh the fbi there were a couple agents they're now in jail they were skimming off the top and they also had the username and password for uh, Dred Scott's. Uh, 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 what's the well, the username that Ross Ulbrich was going under? The the pirate um, from Princess Pride. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Crypto yes. man, when did that come out? I remember reading about that. I mean, that wasn't like super recently, right? No, no, it was a while ago. I remember reading that. And it it could not be used in in ross's trial uh so when he was being sentenced even though uh he was all he was in jail when they were like 
the agents were using his username uh, and like making threats and embezzling bitcoins. Uh, uh, he was in jail and he did not have access to computers or the internet in general. Uh, they were using his his username and they used that information against him, even though the date the the date stamps didn't match up because he he couldn't be on there at those times. So uh, and they couldn't use that as evidence in his favor. Um, they blocked it, and now those agents are in jail. But it's it's not helping him to get out. Uh, so that's messed up. Um, and I, I, I have a very, I'm not very, uh, bullish on Bitcoin. I feel like it's a CIA, uh, like trial run for the CBDB, uh, uh, central bank digital currencies. Um, Oh yeah, that's scary shit. So I, I feel like Bitcoin was a trial run of that, see how it could work. And you know, they're they're either gonna use Bitcoin and and make it the cent central bank digital currency, or they're going to plummet its stock, which you know, now they have all the the Bitcoin that they need to really plummet the the stock of it, the the value of it. And then they're going to implement their own, um, which I don't feel like they should just because of the amount of digital uh, cryptocurrencies available. Like it's very saturated right now. So I don't know how well the government trying to implement their own uh, digital currency will actually like how effective that would be. But that's just my take. Yeah, but you had um, it was uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts yes. was his yes. uh, name. Yeah, it's named after the character from the Princess Bride who passed his name onto a series of successors uh, to keep the legend alive. It's yes, so and, and there yeah. were multiple Dread Pirate Roberts uh, on on the Silk Road, so it wasn't just uh, Ross Ulbricht under that name. So sometimes when they said, oh, Ross said this, it's not actually the case that he said that it, it was either another, um, you know, uh, person who had stock in the in that website, not physical stock or anything, but like who had skin in the game um, yeah. or, or it could have been one of the federal agents who are now in jail. So, um, <laughs> you know. Well, there is, he did, uh, Russ did make a good call there because there is power, uh, I think, in pseudonyms, you know, having yeah. a pseudonym like that. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about, we're, we're having a podcast with Crypto Man, the, the new prisoner number six and John Henry here, folks. So, yeah, we, we definitely appreciate the Dread Pirate Roberts and that gimmick because that, that was fucking great. But, um, you know, just to wrap things up for this week, too, um, you know, we, we talked we talked a lot about, it, you know, different topics, but... Coming back to um, one that we had talked about before, um, just I, I wanted to get into this a little bit too, uh, just before we wrapped up, is that it, it definitely seems these days that we are sort of given 
like this greater narrative that we're all taught to abide by. And people in the artistic community are, are, are one of our greatest assets because you, you talked about it before, like how you have to hide your message in your lyrics. And this is a thing that goes way back, like into, it, it goes into slave songs. It, it, it's part of blues and like, I, I'm a, I, I play guitar a little bit and I think John Henry plays a little bit too. Right. And you know, we, we love blues music and you know, those types of things. So when you learn about that, when you're learning blues about how they would slip in uh, meaning behind the lyrics, it's just like we, as an alternative and as a growing uh, community uh, here in the Liberty movement, uh, we have such an opportunity now uh, through artists like yourselves and others and, and these alternative platforms that we have access to and shit, even if they take those away from us, I'm fucking learning how to do ham radio or something, right? Like they're not, they're never taking our voice from us, but we have it so good now because you and I could find each other and reach out to one another and get things like this podcast done. So we could, uh, sort of have, have you, uh, tell the world your story and, you know, that, that, that hidden meaning though, going back to that, it's so subversive and it's so important because like, if we're going to take on this massive organization, if we're going to take on the WHO, if we're going to take on, you know, the U S government and the CIA and, and whoever the fuck is behind Bitcoin, it's going to take an army of people like us. And it, it is very, it's, it's, it's just very comforting these past few weeks to find people like yourself, crypto man, and the other guests that we've had on to, to help join in this fight and to do what you do. So I, I wanted to kind of turn it over to John Henry to just say anything to that or say anything final to our audience this week yeah. on that note, because I, I'm just really appreciative of everything we've been able to accomplish uh, tonight here with you, Crypto Man. Well, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, huge thanks to Crypto Man spending some time. Um, you know, it's, as you're going through that, sort of the, through that, there's one thing that really pops into my head. So we talk about the um, the freedom movement, right? There's a lot of things that you can call it, conservative, uh, constitutionalists. But when you talk about having this format, and if you had to get to the point of the, the ham radio, and, you know, I think about, as I said earlier, um, you know, Elon's tweet about, you know, big tech can't censor a CB radio. I, I feel like I, I've just, with all the goings on this last week, that that I kind of figured out really what we are. (laughs) We're the digital truckers, man. That's what we are. That's what this whole team is. That's us. You know, and even though we may not be in a line on a freeway or or parked in Ottawa, uh, that's what we do. You know, we stand together and we just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And it's important not to relent. Just like the guy that said, man, I have enough supplies in here to be here for weeks if I have to. Well, I'll say this to our oppressors. We have supplies to fight until we fucking die. Like you and we won't stop and we'll find the way, you know, you look at Getter opening up and, and you know, new social media platforms because of the stifling of information and, um, you know, and YouTube kicking us off. And, you know, Dan Bongino's now permanently banned from YouTube. But we just continue to fight, whether it's BitChute or Rumble or whatever the next one is, whether it's, um, you know, Trump's Truth Social. Uh, who knows? You know, it was funny because um, Dinesh D'Souza called out Elon 
and said, yeah, man, you know, tweets are cool. But if you really want to make a difference and why don't you spend your money and buy Twitter? Why don't you start a news channel? And I was like, fuck yeah, Dinesh, that's what I'm talking about. And it's really a matter of where there's a will, there's a way. And, um, you know, talk is cheap. And, you know, and I know that's a saying that we're so accustomed to, but this, this isn't, this is valuable. So this literal talk, this literal conversation, you know, for people like Crypto Man to, you know, stay up late and then have this conversation with us, it's because there's really a common goal. And, um, you know, whether it's we want the freedom to be able to, uh, you know, artistically produce music that we love and, and, you know, we really stand behind or, or just whether or not we don't want to wear a mask or have 94 fucking boosters. Right. We, it's important to stand together. And, you know, we, we've talked so frequently about the, the importance of community. Right. And, and that sense of having that conversation and that dialogue. And, you know, I love that crypto man. I love that you do what you do. I love that you have a fucking song called Adrenochrome because most people don't have any idea what the fuck that is, man. You know, and then when number six is like, hey, I've been talking to this guy. I'm like, OK, well, well, who is he? And he goes, oh, he has a song called Adrenochrome. I'm like, I'm in. Right. Immediately, I'm in. And um, and it's important to to really advertise the right information out there. And that really is. And it's eye opening for people because, you know, not everybody's going to read the books we've talked about on here. But maybe they will listen to Crypto Man's song and, and based on that, go, what what is that? What what does that mean? And then take a little bit of a dive in it and go, holy shit, this is some dark stuff, man. This is some really dark stuff. And you know, to enlighten people. So, you know, words are powerful and dialogue is powerful and, you know, doing it on a digital format, we're the fucking digital truckers, man. And we'll surround your fucking city. And and right now I think that what's important is we, uh, we're surrounding our country that we believe in and, and are fighting for the freedoms that we find so important to us and the people that we care about. And, you know, even for the people that maybe don't acknowledge or recognize really how dire the situation is, we fight for them too, without them even realizing it and without them knowing. So, you know, it's important that we just continue that. So, you know, I appreciate you being on here and, you know, any freedom fighters, you know, Enos, Enos Cantor Freedom, you know, he called out every NBA player that's sponsored by a Chinese company this week, fucking called him out. I love that. I'd love to see that and just doing it without fear of recourse and understanding that, hey, you know, I'm good to put it all on the line, you know, because one of the things that we talk about is we talk about what's real. We talk about what's true, what's honest. And, you know, it's so much that we see and consume from media uh, is is fraudulent and fake and narratives are just such bullshit from, you know, CRT to you know, Biden's announcement this week, they're talking about, you know, whoever I nominate for Supreme Court's going to be a black woman. Well, let's do it on merit of education and values and who you are, not on your fucking skin color. You know, because for me, I that's racist to me when I see that. Right. And I'm not saying I'm the one that's oppressed, but I just look at that and ask myself, what precedent does that really set? You know, that's fucking garbage. That's that's a garbage approach to the highest court that rules our entire country. You know, so for us, it's just important to continue to have these conversations and, um, you know, important for people like Crypto Man. Keep pumping that shit out, man. You have our full support. Um, you know, I love what you do, man. I think it's just fantastic. And and keep fighting a good fight because that's that's really all we have. Right. Because if we don't, we, we have now had a glimpse into the future alternative. And it's a pretty meek, pretty fucking scary place. And, you know, one of the things that's um, interesting is um Crypto man, did you hear the Rogan podcast with the girl from uh, North Korea that escaped? 
Uh, no, Park. no, I didn't. Okay. Not. So here's why this is so important. So her name is Yeon Mi Park, right? There is no music in North Korea. There's none. And that's why being a musician is so important because they won't even allow. <laughs> but it's crazy, right? Like they can't listen to music because they're afraid that somebody may say something that, you know, isn't in line with the narrative from the state. So that's why, you know, what you do is so fucking important because it's it's an it's an easy medium to consume. You don't have to sit for eight hours and read a book or watch a documentary. You can listen to a song and that can ignite a question and a thought and elicit a certain response to go. Maybe I should understand that a little bit more. So. You know, what you do is incredibly important, man. And I uh, just want to say thank you for coming on and spending some time with us. Really appreciate, um, you know, just having the conversation, learning a little bit more about you. We'll be fighting for you and your run for Senate, man. Get out there and make it happen. You know, whatever it takes. And, you know, you know, as a musician that it's it's about that grassroots. So whenever earlier in the conversation you said, well, I'm, I'm going to call people. Well, fuck, yeah. You know, because for me, like I hate when people send texts because there's you don't know what it means. Right. And like it, it like when somebody sends me a, a happy birthday text, I know it doesn't mean shit. Right. I know that they just feel obligated to do that. But when somebody calls and goes, hey, man, I just want to wish you a happy birthday. I love you. I hope your family's good. So the fact that you're going to you're going to go ahead and do that and execute that and call and talk to people and find out what's important to them. That's what's going to change our world. And uh, you have the you have the right idea, man. You have the right approach. So thank you for your time, brother. Uh, we support you and get out there and just fucking crush it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And Crypto Man, did you have any final thoughts or anything you wanted to say to our audience? And then just uh, throw out a couple final plugs there for people to be able to support you and find you. Uh, so I was wondering if I could close out with uh, a verse and I shoot it back to you guys. If I can, uh, would you Absolutely. want an uplifting or that uh, dark? Uh, darkness. Aspect. I think since we talked about Ron Paul earlier, he has a thing on the Liberty Report where he likes to end on an up note, and yep. I think in honor, in honor of the great man uh, Ron Paul, that we we end on the up note. All right. No offense to the darkness, because we certainly <laughs> like that here too. All right, for sure. So uh, my name's Crypto Man. Um, I'm part of the group Jinx Inc. That's J Y N X I N C. Crypto Man spelled with a K. You can find us all over the place. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, uh, Pandora, select few songs on there. But <clears throat> uplifting. And thank you guys for having me. This has been a blast. I also want to shout out Lions of Liberty. Um, those guys are dope. They're like the frat boys of Liberty. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to shout those guys out. Uh, all right. Yo, as above, so below, the same but opposite poles. Yeah, love can turn to hate, but turn the base into gold. Like when the Romans killed Jesus, he saved all of our souls. He took their base actions, made grace manifold. So what would Jesus do? Make like a lotus and grow. Search inside yourselves and find your El Dorado. I'm not saying Lucifer is Jesus or that Satan is God. I'm saying repent or polarize to rise above the lower laws. Break free from the bondage. That is sinful desire. Lead your life serving out the laws of the higher. It's baptism under fire from the lesser to the greater. Like St. Timothy proclaimed in front of the elders. Manifest, yes, for man found grace and breath. Death of flesh, new life, it takes baby steps. 
Inhale through your nostrils, look out through your mind's eye, learn from the apostles and try to be a kind guy. Thank you for having me. Love oh it. man, I love that dude. That that was that fits so much of the kind of stuff that we talk about here on the show too, about redemption and everything and, and bringing people into this movement. And man, that I'm glad that you chose that uh, yeah, for us. And, and I just wanted to say too, like we, you brought up a brilliant point, John Henry there, as you usually do, buddy. But uh, it, it was about how we are the digital truckers now. And we are we are building uh, the new prisoners up this year. And we're glad to add people like uh, Crypto Man um, to the network. And we are also uh, looking to have other guests on. I got a, a message from DeFi Logic Crypto to maybe come on and talk to us about some crypto stuff in the future so we can learn a little bit more about that. But also, I just wanted to give a shout out this week to um, another artist, too, that I found randomly while searching for uh, James Corbett documentaries. And actually, his name is James Corbett, too, but he's a DJ. And then he was spinning a track called, uh, it's by uh, an artist called Striker. It's called Get Mad. And I loved it because it includes clips from the old movie, The Network, which if uh, anyone in our audience out there, you guys included, if you haven't seen the movie, The Network, definitely see that shit and i also wanted to give a shout out to uh, dream weddings hawaii because um the um the owner of that uh did a great interview with our friend jane galuzzi uh about her battle against the mass out in hawaii so big shout out to them i think it was uh barbecue uh from barbecues to movies or barbecues and movies is the name of the podcast but there's a link on the uh on the website that i have linked to the source list this week so um as the new digital truckers that are out there, as the people that are standing up against uh, this authoritarianism, digital this totalitarianism, convoy, baby. <laughs> digital convoy, I'm I'm with that. And you know what? I, I'm for a rubber ducky. Yes, <laughs> <Over> yes, <and laughs> absolutely, absolutely. There, uh, I mean, when I think about it, when we talk about, and Tim Pool talks about this a lot too, as, as to how we are in the digital commons now. And you know, I, I think voices like the one that we heard tonight with Crypto Man and others, there isn't a group of people that I'd be more than happy to get thrown out uh, of the of the commons bar with. You know, if we're gonna get kicked off of YouTube, if we're gonna be get banned off of this or that, if we're gonna be maligned by people in the WHO or anything else, there there isn't a group of people that I'm proud to to take that heat with. Uh, we want that fucking smoke. So with that, um, to to end it all. Uh, for this week and, and until we meet again and until we are free, we are the new prisoners. Thank you for listening to the new prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topic on our minds page and Substack, or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, or Rumble. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us please feel free to share your own sources with us and to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. And if you would like to be a guest on an upcoming show, please email the new prisoner number six at protonmail.com. Tell us what topic or topics that you would like to discuss and a screener will contact you. You can choose to appear anonymously if you like. Demand answers not orders. We are the new prisoners.